0: All right, getting ready for episode 54, and you've just come off of the lake. That's right. And I just thought it would be Lake Washington, but it really wasn't.
1: It was my hometown of Issaquah, Washington, and Lake Sammamish. Is it
0: is it bad that I had to ask you whether Lake Sammamish actually connects? The fact that I've lived here for 25 years, and I don't know whether Sammamish and Washington connect, or if it's just a... Independent Lake, or or do you not even know the answer to that question?
1: I I think they connect, but as far as it it being a dumb thing to ask, I don't think that's even top ten of the dumbest things you've asked. Really?
0: (laughs) the dumbest things that I've asked. But but how about just—is it a dumb thing to ask? No, I don't think so. Like I've never been on Lake. I've never, I've never been to a house that's on Lake Sammamish. I've never been in a boat or anything on Lake Sammamish. I've been a million times on Lake Washington. And I've never really thought, the only thing I know about Lake Sammamish is when I go east on 90, I see a big body of water on my left and that's Lake Sammamish. That would be it, yeah. For some
1: reason, I just have
0: this blind eye to Lake Sammamish.
1: That's, that's like my, my home field. That's where I learned to swim as a kid. You I, know how to swim? I grew, <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Issaquah and that's, do you know how to swim? It's weird when you meet people who don't. Do you know how? I do, I do. You grew up in Florida, you should know how to swim. I
0: swam 50 laps today just before you got here. 50 laps? Yeah.
1: You have a lap pool?
0: Well, we have in the community we have like oh, an gotcha. Olympic-sized pool. So I ran over there and did oh. a little swimming. I figure I got to be in shape
1: when you come over. <laughs> That's right, what are you, Michael Phelps. Now, do? I just don't feel like I have the stamina laps.
0: to go the the distance in episode 54. So oh, I had to.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're ready. Yeah. Okay. Good. So
0: I don't know anything about Lake. Did you have a good time on Lake? I did. Yeah. What did you do? Great. Did you go tubing? Yeah. I pulled kids
1: around on tubes and. Uh, your your daughter was on a tube. She was getting flipped around. But you, the, the new thing now is people surfing behind boats. Have you seen this? Remember- Surfing? Surfing. How about skiing? Well, that's- I learned to water ski right. a long time. It, can you water ski? I can uh, wakeboard, yeah. I've never tried water skiing because oh. wakeboarding was kind of the thing for a while. I don't know about wakeboarding. Kneeboarding.
0: That's young. Okay. That's for young people.
1: But now it's surfing. It's surfing behind the boat. So people get this? on a
0: surfboard- Yeah, it's like yeah. A,
1: but it's not a longboard. It's a little short one. Yeah. And you, you hold on to the little rope toe thing, and then you just throw it, and you let go of it. And then, we, and then they just surf the wake. Oh. Pretty amazing, right? Like, who That's knew? A great idea. Who
0: made up that idea? I remember Did, my, Was that invented on Lake Sammamish?
1: <laughs> it, it might have been. My friend was doing it in high school and it never really caught on, but now everybody knows how to surf. Yeah, have you done that? I didn't go. I didn't go in the water today, so I haven't tried it, but I, it would take me two seconds to figure but it out.
0: But you put your 10-year-old on a,
1: on a tube on a, and tube, yeah. fly him around. They hit the wake and the legs are flying. And Do yeah. you worry
0: that they're going to go- I mean, they've got, they got life vests they got on life jackets on. Yeah. on. The
1: only yeah. thing to worry about is maybe head-to-head but there there's a seat in between them so they're not oh, really, they're, I see. so there's
0: two of them at a time two at a time yeah, oh, yeah. episode 54 apple podcast it's not itunes anymore i'll have you know it's apple Podcasts, spotify google mitchunfiltered.com listen subscribe and rate we thank you this is a very very big episode i got a feeling this may be the longest episode we ever do so we got to keep our <sighs> comments to a to a minimum just felt
1: like a crazy Stop. busy w- I- <laughs> All right, thanks, everybody, for listening. Well, we got
0: Peter King on oh, the bombshell man. Andrew Luck story, which you and I will talk about for a second. We've got Brady Henderson and I will wrap up the Seahawks' third preseason game and will project the roster, the 53-man roster, Great. which they have to do in a matter of days. Rick Neuheisel returns to uh, Mitch Unfiltered as college football returns. There were two games. So fun. Uh, so happy. I didn't see any of the Miami-Florida game because that was on at the same time as the Seahawks game. But I saw the highlights of that wild game in Arizona. I think it was in Hawaii, between Arizona and Hawaii. I think it was, too. With a quarterback from, like, the 35-yard line, needing a touchdown on the final play of the game. You thought, he starts to scramble. You're like, what are you doing? You can't run 35... or,
1: or uh, 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 and he got down to the one <laughs> uh, yard line on the last play of the game well the other game was good too i mean florida when i, t- I turned it on with nine minutes to go after the Seahawks game they were yeah. rerunning it which was great because it yeah. was like midnight and florida was losing They're number eight in the country they were losing to miami and then they throw a long one and and there was a couple turnovers at the end it was a great game i'm so happy did you see the numbers for that game no are, I didn't see are people ready for football oh, you,
0: you sent me a text right did you see
1: that no it big was- or small uh, it was a 4.1 overnight. It's the best college football rating on ESPN since November of 2016. How is that possible? Are people just dying for football because it was yes, the only game people on. are dying for people.
0: <laughs> after watching preseason football? Yeah. People were dying for a game that matters. Yeah. Apparently, anyway, Miami and Florida. I mean, every one of those guys knows each other. Right. Yeah. Every one of those guys was probably recruited by both teams. <laughs> right. I Had to pick one. I mean, that's a. I mean, those three teams: Miami, Florida, Florida State. Forget about it. So I, can, I get it, but that's a, that's a pretty huge rating. Pretty impressive, Pretty, yeah. pretty, everybody's impre- ready, ready for football. <laughs> uh, so I've got Peter King, I've got Brady Henderson, i got Rick Neuheisel, and I don't want to tell you much about the fourth guest. I happen to think, as much as I love talking Seahawks, talking with Peter King, Rick Neuheisel, you know how much I love those guys, but I happen to think that the fourth and final interview, I told you this about Ken Green. Now, this is not like some sort of a somber life story, although it is a li- bit, little bit of life story. The fourth guest is incredibly intriguing. I think. I'll just give you uh, the cliff notes. Okay. He went to the University of Virginia. You know how good of a school University of Virginia is? That's like an Oh my God. That's like an It is. It's impossible to get into the University of Virginia. Gotcha. Virginia, getting into Virginia is like getting into Stanford, getting into getting into Harvard, getting into Yale. Virginia is an unbelievable academic school. In fact, there have been there have been rumors for years that the reason why, at least until um, Bennett came along, they struggled in, in sports and in football because they can't get the you got to have an academic—they have an academic standard. It's tough to get athletes in there oh, sure, yeah. that, that, that satisfy their—anyway, ac- you go to Virginia, you're a smart guy. Okay, gotcha. This guy went to Virginia, got a statistics degree, was a pitcher on the baseball team, went through the minor leagues, made it to the big leagues, was a relief pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. Okay. His name is Michael Schwimmer, you would have no, I had no idea who he is. You would never have heard his name. After he hung it up, he decided to put his statistics degree to the test. And he set up a couple of companies he has raised from venture capitalists for these companies, I think north of 200 million dollars, at least close to 200 million dollars because he has created an algorithm i'm going to stop right here i'm just going to tell you he's created an algorithm that he believes predicts the sport the results of sporting events better than any computer or algorithm that's ever been invented and
1: not just baseball you're saying all sports all sports great okay
0: and he's 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 trying to uh, you, you'll be the judge. I don't want to. I don't want to push people into believing one thing or the other. Just listen to him. He's trying to clean up the world of touts. Do you know what a tout is? If I, I said the word tout, do you know what that means? I've heard
1: the term. No, I don't think I do. Tout
0: is a guy who says. I know the winner on Monday night between the Jaguars and the Jets. Pay me $500 and I'll give you the the, the winner. My five-star lock of the week. That's a tout. (laughs) Gotcha. That's a a tout. tout. Okay. It's a a really seedy kind of gross business, but uh, hundreds of millions of dollars are being spent (laughs) on these touts. And he's come in and he's saying, my computer does it better than anybody. I'll put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to be completely transparent and I'm going to sell it. But I'm going to show you how. If I don't do well, I'll pay you three times your money back.
1: Wow, that is unheard just, of in just, the gambling and, world.
0: Woo! And and um, <laughs> he's and he's a former big league pitcher, so he's not like this athlete wannabe university. Anyway, I'll stop right there. I can't wait to hear. It's 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 I think incredibly interesting, and I'm I was close at the end of that interview. <laughs> To, to buy it, to getting in. Well, because and again, I don't want to give too much. You can buy one of two ways. If you believe him, you can buy and get his picks and become a winner, and he guarantees them. Because if you're not a winner, he gives you your money back times three. Or if you don't believe him, you can buy his picks, not bet a du- not bet one of them. Yeah. and say, okay, I don't believe you. I don't believe your computer's any better than any other computer. I don't believe you can go over fifty two and a half percent. So I'm going to buy your service, not bet them. And then I'm just going to bet on the fact that you can't do it. And then you got to give me 10 grand back. (laughs) You got to give me three times back. So you'll listen to that and and come up with a.
1: Come up with it. Next next time you go to Vegas. Next time you go to Vegas, you place a sports bet and you lose, why don't you walk up to the counter and see if they'll give you three times your money <laughs> back? How would the how would that conversation go, huh? And better yet.
0: How about the guy in the alley, Joe Joe <laughs> Knuckles and Vito. Yeah, right. Who
1: take your bet. Yes. See if they'll give you your money back. Well, not only your money back, but
0: three times your money. Three times your money. That's how that's how confident this guy is in his algorithm and his his computer system.
1: You ever see Lost in America with Albert Brooks? The Desert Inn has heart. You never saw that? No. Oh, it's so great. You got to see. I love world. Albert Brooks though. His wife loses their whole nest egg, like, three hundred grand, at a casino. Yeah, yeah. And he's trying to convince the casino owner to give their money back. And he's like a sales, he's like a marketing guy. Right. And he's pitching all this stuff. Well, yeah. But the, now, wouldn't it be great? The Desert Inn has heart because they give you your money back. <laughs> and the guy's like, it's Gary Marshall. You know Gary Marshall? He's like, yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, we can't do that. Now, wait a second. Which
0: which movie was it? So great. Which movie was it where? well, there's Nick Cage or somebody lost all their money. And I don't know if it was Sarah, Jessica Parker, the guy, she, Sarah, Jessica Parker had to go out on a date. Like a, like a, a, a that's what the story was. Okay. That She went on a date with like James Caan. For for to, for him to excuse the the the, the, uh, the debt or something, do you know that story? Not not indecent proposal. No, that's a that's that's different. <laughs> okay, gotcha. That's a Seattle-based. <laughs> that's Demi Moore, I think.
1: Yeah, was that Demi Moore? I can't remember. Okay, but I'm getting
0: them all mixed up. Yeah,
1: there was a uh, Woody Harrelson, I think, was in that too.
0: That he was in. He was indecent proposal. proposal. No, think. that's not, I'm talking about. I don't know. Guy goes. Uh, guy loses a lot of money in like a poker game okay. to a shark and the shark excuse unless i'm making this up in my mind the shark <laughs> loves the guy's wife and says she's got to come on a weekend with me uh. and I'll excuse the and then they go like on a, and she like falls for him
1: oh really and they
0: say, yeah she falls for the guy
1: <laughs> oh, God. i better pay my I debts i thought it was james Cut- maybe
0: i'm, I'm uh, maybe i'm making this uh, up check
1: that that was just a dream i had last night anyway Never
0: episode mind. 54 and uh, uh we're just teasing episode 54 i'm pissed at the listeners all of them well 3 Actually, 78 of them okay. have ruined it for everybody else. I'm pissed. I hate to hear that. I'm pissed. I'm pissed at three of them in particular. Okay. Who I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to name them because I have their names, I have yeah, their email, but I won't. But I'm pissed. All and right. I think you know where I'm yeah, going Yeah, I think I do. Episode 54, uh, with all of that, could be a
1: very long episode. It was a busy sports weekend, I yeah, thought. There's yeah, tons yeah. of stuff to talk all right. about. All right.
0: So before we begin episode 54, allow me a moment to talk about my partner's the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. More and more families taking an opportunity to save money on a refinance or their home like Steve Dion did. Jordan Flowers Guild Mortgage Group is waiting to save you money every month with three top 1% brokers in the Kirkland office alone. For a refi, information 425 425- Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest, offering a new service to smaller investors. It's called Evervestment. You don't have to be a millionaire to invest like one. So go to evervestment.com and allow the expertise of Evergreen Golf Call guide you to a brighter future. Zeke's Pizza, as of this coming week, 17 locations from Bothell to Tacoma. The brand new spot in Woodenville, owned and operated by a true blue 12, Monica Pavelka offering a perfect spot to watch a game, enjoy pizza, and bring your youth sports teams to Zeke's Pizza.com and their delivery service. And Daniel's Broiler with four all-time locations, each providing subtly different ambiances, but the same world-class service and the best steaks anywhere. Leschi Marina, South Lake Union, a top Bellevue place, and the newest jewel, downtown at the brand-new Hyatt Regency. There's just no place like Daniel's for special occasions. Here we go. Episode 54 starts now.
2: Unfiltered.
0: At some point, somebody's got to get Antonio Brown, put an arm around Antonio Brown and say, you're going to throw a hissy fit over not being able to wear antiquated helmets that have been deemed unsafe by doctors, owners, and your fellow players. When guys are killing, superstar NFL players are killing, are committing suicide because of the damage that was done to their head. I mean, at some point, it's disrespectful to the memory of those people. It's disrespectful to the thousands and thousands that are living, the former NFLers. You know know what that that, that class action lawsuit? You know how many thousands of former NFL players are living miserable lives because their head is screwed up from all the hits? And this guy's making an absolute mockery out of wearing a 2011 helmet? At some point, it's completely disrespectful Disrespectful to all the people that came before you that are struggling right now to stay alive. Unfiltered. I know that I think I'm funnier than I am. I know, I know. In my, like, I look in the mirror and I see a really funny guy. I, I, I'm also a guy that can't get in front of crowds, but I see a really funny guy when I look at myself, but I just know that other people, you know might, might find me moderately entertaining and funny, good storyteller, good interviewer, but nobody finds me funnier than I. Do. I think I'm great. Mitch is unfiltered. All right, let's get a couple of things out of the way as we begin episode 54. I'll let you decide. You got three choices on the, first, on the first three items. Number one, do you want to get the naming, naming episode 54 out of, the, out of the way? Do you want to know why I'm pissed at the listeners? Or do you want me to respond to you and Steve on episode 53P? Oh. Uh, Steve Dion said something at the end of his interview with you when you guys were comparing your Mitch notes. Yeah. That pissed me off. Is that right? Yeah, well, a little bit. Yeah, I don't think it's fair. So you got three, I, which one, what order you want to do those three off the top before we get to the Seahawks
1: and Andrew Luck? Well, I'm dying to hear what pissed you off.
0: What pissed me off? Okay. The Steve Dion You want thing. me to Let's start that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Before we name the episode? Yep. Okay.
1: You did give me a choice. Go on.
0: You and Steve Dion, episode 53P for the patrons this past week. You decided he wanted to, he wanted to comment on the interview that you did with me. Mm-hmm. How do you think that that went? You you and Steve, how, how did, how did, did you listen to it back? Yeah, I did, did you listen enjoy to it back. It? Yeah. How, was your, how was your interviewing skills?
1: I thought they were fantastic, actually, to be <laughs> honest with you. I mean, I know you're the best that ever lived, according to— Maybe uh, second best now. Mitch he's, he's, he's the best interviewer I've ever heard. <laughs> People, like, I think it makes them feel smarter when they say that. That's why it bugs me. Oh, he's the best interviewer uh, I've ever—he's the best not, interviewer in the business. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Shut up. All right, calm down. What do you know about interviewing there, fella? Jeez! all right anyway i thought it went well i thought i thought he was candid i thought it was good he
0: said at the end and it stuck with me i don't know why this pisses oh me off okay. because i may be a picky eater i may be i may be a picky eater okay. but his explanation as to why i'm a picky eater, eater okay i need to i need to discuss that right now his ex do you did, remember what he said to you well he was like scott i just want you to know your your accusation of mitch <laughs> Being a picky eater is right on to And, and by the way, I might be. Yeah. And he said, this is why. Because he used to ask us to go get breakfast when I was his intern.
1: Yeah, and he said you were generous and paid every time. That yeah, was nice. Okay, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> All right. He
0: says, and I'm t- it was unbelievable. He had to have egg whites. Yeah. He couldn't order off the menu. Yeah. Egg whites and fruit and whole wheat toast. It had to be egg whites and fruit and whole wheat toast. Yep. And and you guys like got a chuckle, uh-huh. and I sat here steaming come on yeah okay first of all we we need to define we need to define picky eater because i i may be a picky eater but i don't it's totally out of bounds to call me a picky eater for that reason first of all have you ever been on a diet yes i have okay were you not on a diet for like a year or i'm two still years?
1: eating the same okay. way and
0: what is it that you won't eat
1: i will not eat grains and sugar you don't eat bread But it's not because I don't care for them. That's the difference.
0: No, that's thank you very much. I love egg yolks. I love hash browns. Gotcha. I love bacon. I love toast. I love pancakes. I love waffles. There's nothing breakfast that (laughs) I don't love. I choose to eat egg whites.
1: Yeah. Okay? To keep the cholesterol and the fat, which may or may not be true, but fine.
0: Okay. I choose to eat egg whites and fruit and whole wheat toast. Because I'm trying to watch for breakfast what
1: I eat. It was a health decision, not a I don't care for this decision.
0: Name something. There's nothing on those menus that I didn't care for. And I think there's got to be an asterisk. If you're not eating because those things, not because you don't like them, but because you're trying to watch yourself like you with the grains, then you can't be called a picky eater for that. You you want to call me a picky eater because I don't like mushrooms and I don't like avocado, avocado about onions and I love onions okay and I don't like Brussels sprouts and I don't like asparagus and I can go on you want to call me a picky eater <laughs> I do eater, I do
1: want to call you a that's picky fine eater. yeah
0: then you call me a picky uh, yeah. eater because I don't like certain things the but way they do taste. not do not call me a picky <laughs> eater because I chose to have egg whites yeah. fruit and toast mm. instead of pancakes hash browns sure. yolks yeah, who's eating this. that stuff
1: every day uh, yeah well a lot of people are. Well, yeah, if you're a, a farmer, of, uh, I mean, if you're I logging think. for 10 hours. I just
0: think there has to be, we have to right now before we move on. I'm not going on until you decide that I want to know the definition of a picky eater. It's when you don't, when you don't order off the menu because you don't like a lot of the things that are on. You don't menu. care for the
1: taste of certain foods right. makes you a picky eater okay. so or can, the texture. Do
0: I, ha, do I, did I win that? Do I win the whole Dion
1: thing? When it comes to breakfast, you win. But you are a picky eater, so it doesn't really matter. Because I
0: don't like avocado, mushrooms, and Brussels sprouts.
1: And asparagus, delicious. Oh, I
0: can't stand asparagus. See, you're a picky eater. Doesn't it make your pee smell? I would assume, uh, doesn't most things? All right, what were the other two things before we st- really start 54? Uh, we got a name, we'll name it. We can, we'll do that at the end, but I'll, I'll give you the – Randy White, the Hall of Fame oh. defensive lineman for the Dallas Cowboys 54. There's
1: a clip out there of him everyone should see where he tracks down a wide receiver. It's, really? Um, tracks him down. Like, who knew that guy was fast? Let's put it
0: on our, uh, our Facebook page. I'll find it. Can you send it to me? I'll put it on yep. the Facebook page. Yep. I try to put everything on the Facebook page that we refer to I like it. on the show, which I never, I never do. <laughs> uh, Brian
1: Erlacher. He's the first one that came to mind for me. He was good. Zach
0: Thomas. Oh, they were the same number. 54. Kind of
1: played the same, you know?
0: Well, I have... I, yeah, I, I, you I, love Zach
1: Thomas. I
0: love Zach. I know. And know. I have a bone to pick with Brian Erlacher and Zach Thomas, but that's for another day. Goose Gossage, mm. 22 years, over 300 saves. He was good. Richard Goose Gossage wore 54 in like nine different uniforms. Might have
1: been a Mariner at one point. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah.
0: He was. And there's another 54. Some guy named Bobby Wagner wears 50.
1: Oh, he's not too bad either.
3: Pass is
2: intercepted by Bobby
3: Wagner. Only the quarterback to defend. Bobby Wagner with a touchdown.
1: I know we're not doing this now, but how great was it to see him last night? Back, back playing for the Seahawks. It would have been season.
0: Saturday night. You're supposed to say Saturday night, last night. You don't say last. Oh, night. Oh, that's you right. Saturday Podcasts. night. I got yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is you. people are not listening to this live. So say, <laughs> not, say it again. It How nice? great was
1: it to see Bobby Wagner playing for the Seahawks again on I'm Saturday night? I'm not editing night. that. Cause okay, because it's, yeah. <laughs> it's you. If it were me, I made a mistake.
0: He played two two games ago, by the way. He looked great, though. He, he looked... played in, in in the preseason
1: game number two. Well, he wasn't very memorable. Or am I wrong about that? No, I don't.
0: Because no, last... Oh yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Saturday night, I think was the guess, first time. He guess what's it.
1: getting edited out now, everybody? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was the first time the three of them have been so together. That, Wagner, Gossage, Thomas, Erlacher, and White. Those are uh, your five finalists. You got to decide. You can decide at the end. Okay. But you got to let me do my Zach Thomas thing before you finish. Before you make your decision at the very, very end of episode fifty-four. All right, I did that. What was the third thing? Uh, oh, why I'm mad at the listeners? Yes,
1: I'm pissed. I know. Should I not do this? Should I give their names? You want their names? I wouldn't give their names. I I think that's a little petty. Okay. People cancel from time to time. But not. Is it petty for me to even bring it up? Maybe I shouldn't bring it up. No, I mean, I think not following up is the part that's annoying you. You don't have to come. I'm doing this
0: September 3rd Fantasy Football League draft. It's the first ever Mitch Unfiltered Fantasy Football League. We're having a league, and we're doing a big dinner and a draft on September 3rd at Daniels.
1: We're going to be a team, I think, you and I, right? Maybe. Uh, We'll see. Andrew Luck! That's my first pick. There you go. Thank you. Uh,
0: some some leagues, I can do my rant. Uh. Some leagues draft so early. <laughs> why? I actually like it though. I actually like no, it. No, it. it's stupid. I've always said you're you... an idiot. You are <laughs> you, a complete idiot, and everybody in your league no. is an idiot. For anybody no. who drafts before like the fourth preseason game, no, I have no, a reason oh, why that's it's, too, it's great. No,
1: it's awesome. No reason could be a good reason. If you're if you're playing fant if you're having a fantasy about playing football, you should try to make it as much like the NFL as possible. What if a guy? What if the Seahawks lose someone in the preseason? They, they don't get to say, well, you know, we should have had our draft later or whatever. I mean, you should make it like real football. It's the chance you take if somebody gets hurt in the third preseason game that you drafted. that happens to real teams. They lose. Okay, so, you. But there's plenty, plenty of cool. time
0: during the regular year for you to lose players on your fantasy team. <laughs> it's stupid.
1: All right. I, it's stupid. I think it's. What cool.
0: about the team that drafted Andrew Luck? He retired. And the other thing is, you're, you're acting like you are a real team. A real team would know would know Andrew Luck is struggling, and the owner of the team would know. I mean.
1: Yeah, you, you, but you have to do your homework. That's what makes it fun. You know he's not playing. So yeah, but don't act him high. You
0: can't do enough homework where you know he's considering retiring.
1: <laughs> Maybe not that, the, but. The,
0: the, the liquored up owner, what's his name? Ursay, Ursa, the, yeah. the, the drunk owner <laughs> who, who, when he's sober, he looks drunk. Am <laughs> right. I wrong about this? <laughs> dry he, drunk, yeah. I mean, if you're going to own a team. He, he owns a team. He knows the inner workings that, hey, Andrew Luck is considering retiring. You can't know that when you have a fantasy team. Eh, you can know. I mean, you're trying to make fantasy teams like real teams. Yeah, that's Just the Just wait the point. until we know who's on your team. All right, fine. Okay, it's uh, the people who drafted Lamar Miller.
1: Oh, yeah. Crusher. <laughs> that's
0: stupid. Wait. There's no reason not to wait. Where are you going out of the world? The la- I mean, there's, you can do a fantasy. Don't give me that you're busy. You can do a fantasy league. And, uh, anyway,
1: I digress. Yes, you did. But wouldn't you be glad if you're playing against someone who drafted Lamar Miller? You'd be like, all no. right.
0: No. no, I'd be embarrassed that I'm in a league that drafts that early.
1: <laughs> Would you? <laughs> yes.
0: Right. In fact, I'd, I'd, I'd leave the league. All right. You've got to wait until like I, – I think the way to do it is to do it the Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday after the fourth pre- preseason game before the regular season opener. That's, I think you should only draft the team – in the finals after everything is done. Cuts are made. You know who's on every team. You know who's hurt. You know, everybody knows. Draft on Monday, Tuesday. If you want to draft between the 3rd and 4th, I get it. We have the Fantasy Football League Roundtable. It's on the patron site. We did three installments. We're getting them up there now. Part 2 is up there now, um, which is running backs and defenses. We did quarterbacks and kickers. And Part 3 will be up there on Wednesday. We'll help you with your fantasy draft. Anyway, I I'm I'm pissed because when I decided to do the fantasy football league the first ever Mitch unfiltered league and have this big thing at Daniel's, I took it to the I took it to a vote as to what day was the best day. You had Labor Day, you had the Tuesday night, you had the Wednesday night, and I said, "Hey, if you're interested in being with us, here's the price. Yada yada yada. Send me a note, "Hey, I'm interested and here's the best date for me." So I got inundated i'm telling you i got so many emails it was impressive and i was thought i was thinking oh my god there's a lot of people that want to do this this is fantastic yeah and i the vast majority picked september the third so i chose september the third based on all these people who did it and i got guys yeah i'll take 10 spots i want i want a table i got three guys that said hey i want a table of 10 i'm like all right that's a pretty big commitment. Table of 10. I'll, I'll, you want me to hold it for you? I'll hold you a table of 10. I got three different guys.
1: Gosh.
0: Have you heard from them since they told me they wanted it on September the 3rd they wanted a table of 10? I have not. Okay. No. Yeah. Has your 10-year-old daughter heard from them? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I heard from one who said, nah, instead of 10, uh, I think none of
1: us will come. <laughs> actually turns out um not 10 how about zero <laughs> God, i mean what the hell and there's 75 but, more emails
0: of all the ones i got there's 75 more emails from people or emails that represent 75 people who said i want to do it on september if you do it september the third i'm yeah. in all right we'll do it september the third have you heard from any of the 75 people no i sure haven't okay
1: Has your 10-year-old daughter heard from 75 people? There's a chance, but unless they're on TikTok, I don't know. I've
0: heard from a couple who have said, yeah, instead of four, um, none of us are going to (laughs) come.
1: Well, at least they reached out to say, forget about it. No, most of them didn't. Okay, most of them didn't.
0: I mean, I just think, hey, if you write the host of the show and say, I want a table of 10, a full table, and we've got, you know how many? We've got 12 tables. So you say, I want a table of 10, come on, at least either take two or three seats or at least reach out and say hey something terrible's happened or we can't make it i'm so sorry i feel terrible about it don't just
1: ghost me i couldn't get my group together sorry i mean this is not
0: a dating app don't (laughs) ghost me
1: (laughs) thank god Uh, oh god
0: so anyway the, the moral of the story is guess what we have more seats than we thought Go available ahead. for September the third to be involved in the first ever Mitch Unfiltered Fantasy Football League. If you'd like to come September, th- I mean we've got we've got a good a good handful of people coming. Great. Don't get me wrong, but I've got more spots. You, you can sit at more. my table if you want to sit at my table. We'll uh, we'll have a great a great time, a great dinner. We'll do our first ever league. There'll be big prizes. There'll be cash prizes and everything else. And we'll do one of those survivor things. Um, yeah, uh, there's a few extra tables now available that I didn't think. We're going to be available and delicious okay. food, right? I mean, delicious. Is that food. called being catfished?
1: Was I catfished? What is catfish? Oh, you don't watch that show? No. What does that mean? What's catfish? It means you got tricked on the internet by by somebody pretending to be somebody they is aren't.
0: That pretty much. Did I get catfished? Is that does that count? No. Does that fall under the catfish? Is catfishing illegal? Could you be like arrested for catfishing?
1: Well, yeah. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, it's not sports, but this big group out of L.A. was just arrested for uh, romance scams, you know, finding, really? yeah, they were, you have to read Look this Look at story. your eyes right now. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like $143 million a year is lost on people sending who they think are these boyfriends of theirs money. I, the, the woman they quoted in the story Lived in Japan She ended up sending this guy Like $300,000 In multiple oh payments well, that and should be That should be illegal the, well, they just That made should a, be against the rules they, they, they just made a big bust in LA Really? Which is good Like 18 Okay people. but this is
0: That's not what I'm talking about This is Can a guy bad. or a girl Who pretends to be Interested in a guy That's what they call Catfishing right? Yeah And they're going to have a, a romance And they're going to meet And then she she ghosts them And she never shows up Could she be is she, Has she committed any, any kind of a No No she hasn't No Okay So these guys that I can't, we can't get these guys arrested.
1: They're just hurting your feelings, is all. (laughs) Well, they're doing more than hurting
0: the feelings. they're saying we want tables, and we're putting aside. I'm putting aside anyway.
1: It's no different than a restaurant. You're canceling a reservation in a restaurant. They they can't sue you, right? Okay.
0: Next topic. You heard what I said. If you want to be involved on yep. September the 3rd, we have some, t- some extra tables available now. <laughs> uh, go to Mitch Unfiltered or just write me Mitch at Mitch Unfiltered. We'll get you a spot. MitchUnfiltered.com, top banner. Click on it and be with us on September the 3rd for first ever fantasy football. Speaking
1: of catfishing, I was watching the Seahawks and Chargers and I was like, does Manti Teow, is that his name? Remember? Yeah, what
0: happened to him?
1: So I looked it up and I think he played for the Saints last year. He's, he's not on the Chargers. but He got catfished. He's like the one well, that, yeah.
0: There's actually some, I know some people who got
1: catfished. Well, it happens. Oh, there's a TV show for a reason.
0: Well, I and it's sad. It's uh, kind of yeah, sad. Sure it's sad.
1: You prey on like sad, lonely people sometimes, especially yeah. if, if you're getting money from them. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. The TV well, show is interesting.
0: I, I don't. I don't feel as bad for people who send money to people they've never met before. Yeah. I mean, it's on some level you got to be responsible. Yeah. I, I think I feel. I think I, I feel sadder or more sad over the emotional element. Of right. It. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 know, you think that you're going to meet something, whatever. You have to be I don't, smart I don't, online, I don't people. Yeah. Episode 54 is long enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Did I do the picky eater thing? I did the picky eater thing. Yeah. That was the first thing that I asked you to do. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I when we stopped to the segment. We restarted before. I don't remember. Um, Jacob Beeson's the starter of your university of Washington. And the other guy said, I quit.
1: <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I, First of all, I thought Jacob East—I thought it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to be the starter. Well, I have something to say about that. And then there's, like, this competition, and we're not sure. Oh, he's the—and star- the other guy quits. Now, Chris Peterson is a hell of a nice guy, and he's a great coach. Our kind of guy. And
0: I don't, I don't want to get Husky fans mad at me. I'm nice. just going to say what my—I'm going to give you my unfiltered—this is not necessarily opinion, but instinct on this. Okay. Okay? Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a skeptic when it comes to these things. Jacob Eason was once the number one high school quarterback in the country from Lake Stevens, Washington. He chose to go to Georgia. He played as a true freshman at Georgia, and then he was unseated by the other guy. And he was he put himself he put his name in the transfer portal, which I love because I didn't I don't know where that came from. Um, you would think, right? Even though he's transferring. He's got a pretty big name amongst the college football community. He yeah. could probably go to a lot of places to transfer. He could go to, probably go to Notre Dame, Miami. I mean, he could go, go. Mark Richt at the, at the time, his, the guy who, who, who recruited him to Georgia was the coach of Miami, for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, okay, he chose to come home and go to Washington. I don't pretend to know what was said to him. I got a hard time believing, and I have since the beginning, I would have made a large wager. <laughs> If you had given me, if the guy in our fourth segment had given me a chance <laughs> yeah. to make a bet <laughs> yeah. on who's going to be the, star. and I've been listening to the whole thing and reading, oh, they're neck. What's the other guy's name? Josh.
1: What's yeah. The, uh, whatever. John, Hater.
0: We don't care anymore, yeah, right? Because yeah. he's leaving. He's gone. Washington. He's not a husky anymore. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Whatever the guy's name was, I've been reading. Oh, they're close. Yeah. It's neck and neck. I was reading both- that too. Yeah, they're. Not- and I've been sitting there reading it, shaking my head and going, "Come on, Jacob Eason. This is this is a long song and a dance." We know where I was just convinced that Jacob Eason was either told he was going to be the starter once his Fred his redshirt went away. I, I don't know. I, I just didn't believe that Jacob Eason. I never believed that Jacob Eason wasn't going to be the starter. Yeah. Even though Peterson went through this whole thing, this is a hell of a competition. We got two quarterbacks. Both are going to play against Eastern or wherever they whoever they're playing in the first game. The whole thing, I just I, I just was so skeptical. I was like, "No way, Jacob Eason's going to be the starter." Why the song and dance of? For f- to what end? Maybe if you feel like it gives your program credibility that you're not just handing the job to a quarterback because of his name. We have or, other good quarterbacks uh, whatever, here. Whatever, whatever yeah. you want to you want to send the message that hey, I don't care how illustrious the guy's high school career was. I don't care that he transferred from Georgia. We're going to do this the way Chris Peter. I mean, I don't know. And so, But I, I'm telling you, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could, you, If you want to tell me that this was a true competition that Jacob Beeson almost lost and they all, he almost transferred and then sat out a year and then backed this guy up, you right. want to tell me that it was really close to that happening, yeah. you can tell me I'm having trouble believing that.
1: I just think Jacob Beeson was going to be the starter. That's what I think. If you're the dad of the other kid, are you bummed that he wants to transfer or would you say no no you're going to go back and fight and you're going to win that job next year? What what would your advice be to that kid? The kid who Well, I got to I
0: got to know more about. It. He's a California guy. I think he was what is he? I got to know his year. Yeah,
1: okay. I got to I got to know the
0: quarterback situation. No, I, it really depends. Because if the writing is on the wall, don't you agree? that if the writing is on the wall now that you're never going to get an opportunity to be the starter at Washington or you're going to have to wait years to do so and you feel like there's a finite amount of years that you have to be a college quarterback and then maybe maybe even be a pro quarterback, if the, if the program and the coach has decided against you, then you got to go somewhere else. I think there are, there are situations where it's good to go somewhere else and I think there's situations where you stay where you are. But
1: don't you want him to fight? No, no, you're going to go – I mean, by the way, something could happen to Easton. You could come in, and then the guy could never get his job back. To me, it just seems like, nah, I don't know if I love quitting that quickly. Stick around. How,
0: how long do you want him to stick around?
1: I think he should be the backup this year. I think he'd be good for What him. year is he? It's a great question. Uh, we should do some prep before the yeah, show from yeah, time to time. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I mean, he's probably a sophomore. Who knows? You know, he's probably got a couple of I think years he's left. A
0: soft, I think he's a sophomore. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that there's probably a fair explanation to transferring. But it just seemed really, really interesting that the day after Peterson made the decision, yeah, you know, I, the day after, and he said, by the way, that the guy's going to play. He was going to play
1: in the first week. He just wasn't going to start. Yeah, he's a sophomore, by the way. The guy was like, "I'm out." The next day, I'm out. I'm out.
0: Yeah, I'm going somewhere else.
1: Yeah, I, I had a friend that got recruited to play running back at UW. He was really good in high school, and when he got there, it was like Rashan Sheehy and Corey Dillon, and it was like five like great tailbacks, you know. But he didn't, I think he eventually transferred, but he stuck it out for a couple of years, and I, I always appreciated that about him, that he didn't just go, whoa, and how whoa, was his whoa. NFL career? I don't know if he would have had one anyway. He, he Maybe didn't, he would have. He didn't have much of Maybe
0: one. Maybe he had gone to Washington State, he would have played and been able to uh, prove himself and be an NFL draft choice. Yeah. But because he stayed at Washington and, and played backup to all these guys, he never got a chance to showcase himself and never got an NFL job.
1: Just you ever like think about that, big boy? If you're good enough, I feel like you can get on the field. I, I, I've always felt that, no matter, where, no matter what school you're at. You should stick and, come on, fight it out, man. Win that starting job. Easy for you to say. But Jacob Eason's that good? From what I read, it was pretty close. If it's this close, then maybe you beat him out for the junior year. Was the Andrew
0: Luck story the most surprising story in years and years and years in sports?
1: It feels. Where were you when you heard the story? I was just getting out of a movie. What movie was it? uh the the new quentin tarantino one the oh hollywood. once upon a
0: time in hollywood yeah did
1: you like it i did it's about the sharon
0: tate murder and everything it wasn't Whatever, the manson deal
1: yeah it, they were they were in it did you like bruce it? lee was in it did a you like scenes.
0: the didn't you go to um michael keaton
1: oh beetlejuice yeah how, it, how'd you like that it was great <laughs> what a cast alec baldwin winona ryder it only took you how long to see it 35 years or something <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, what do you think of when you heard Andrew Luck Andrew Luck quitting after six years he's not even 30 years old
1: Yeah, but it feels like there's more and more players in the NFL who aren't prepared to give to, to maybe forfeit their health in their 40s and 50s for football now remember that linebacker for the I think it was Borland or something yes for the, from not, San Francisco played yeah.
0: one year he said no and was good yeah
1: right he Said no he just walked away. I'm not giving my head. I'm not giving my. I'm not doing CTE. Cam Chancellor wasn't an old man when he retired. Doug yeah. Baldwin wasn't an old man. Yeah, you know it, it feels like there's more and more. This is happening more and more.
0: Well, a couple of things. A, a lot of these guys are very smart. Andrew Luck went to Stanford. He's got a lot of options. He could do any, probably could be Monday Night Football commentator right now yeah. if he wanted to. And he's a Stanford graduate, very smart, could go be in a team's organization, could do a million things. That's first of all.
1: Made plenty of money. Second, of,
0: second of all, they're getting paid more and more money. Yep. So these guys that make a lot of money, I don't know Borland's not a good example, but like Doug Baldwin made a lot of money. Doug Baldwin, was, there was not a financial consideration to having to stay. Yep. Uh, Andrew Luck. Walked away. I did the tweet. I did the math. Uh, I have it right here. 28 or 22. 56 or million oh. over the next two years. Right. 56. He was going to... He walked away from 56 million over the next two years. He could have not played. I mean... Stayed, stayed active, and tried to get himself in whatever. Been hurt, whatever, and made fifty six million dollars standing on a sideline with a clipboard. If he wasn't physically able to play, fifty six million. He said no. That's his salary, by the way. Think about endorsements and all that. It right. been much That's more. That's just contractual yep. dollars. Fifty six million. Now, he made a ton of money before that. He's he's set. He, I don't know. I don't know how much, but he's probably made close to a hundred million already. Um, so it doesn't really. So so. These guys, are, well, I guess what I'm saying is these guys are able to make these decisions that maybe they weren't, you know, 35, 40 years ago, a guy couldn't make the decision to leave early because That's now right. what? Right, what am, am I going to And do I have any money? I mean, they, yeah. don't, they didn't make any money.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, do you think, and I'm going to talk to Peter King about this in our next segment so we won't belabor the issue or labor the point. Uh, do you think there's any fairness in the booing? The, obviously, the world is applauding this guy and saying, hey, good luck to you. I, I kind of come at this a little bit differently now because I'm me. I think when I watched him in that press conference, I see some emotional issue. There's an emotional issue. He probably has gone through dep- – probably suffering from some level of depression because his body's not what it wants to be and having to go through this. There's an emotional element to this. There's no question about that. Um, the Colts fans booed him going off the field – in the middle of the Indianapolis preseason game number three, they booed him, and he said, "I heard it and it hurt." Yeah. Um, a couple of people, like the people that you would think, Gottlieb and um, D- D- Dockich, and there's a, a couple of high profile guys. High profile guys have taken him to task, but 99% of the world is like, "Good for you." You got to do what's best for you yep. and if you you don't feel like your body and your mind is into this and you're not living the life and you're not happy, you're not happy away from football and you're resenting football and you want to walk away at 29, you go do something else. Yeah, Most of the people are feeling like, "Do you feel if, if it were if it were Russell Wilson, if it were here in Seattle, would we be booing?"
1: I would not be booing at all. He's won a Super Bowl. He took us to two. Football's high stakes, right? It's high stakes. Who I mean we've we talked last episode about the Dave Duerson's and the Junior Seahaws. Remember we were talking about Antonio Brown's yeah, helmet. Yeah. It's really high stakes and if they want to walk away from that high stakes game, who am I? How about
0: the timing of it? You know with with 8 days or I guess 2 weeks to go until the the, the first game of the he could, he could could have retired 2 months ago and given the Colts an opportunity to go find somebody or do you feel like he's left them in the lurch? That's what Colts fans that are mad about it. That's what they're saying. He left us in the lurch. He waited until eight days before he was going to start. It looked like he was going to start right. week one, and now he walks away, and, and the whole season is shot. How about that?
1: Yeah, but maybe, maybe he really thought he could get it back to, he could pull it together and be healthy and go play at 100% and love the game. Maybe, maybe he truly thought that. I don't think he was purposely trying to leave him in the lurch.
0: No, I don't think he was purposely yeah. trying, but he, but he does on some level leave them in the lurch. By doing it at the time that he's doing it, I mean, he, 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 I'm not saying he went out of his way to to hurt the Colts and Colts fans. He just got to a point. it's like the Forrest Gump run. You remember the Forrest Gump run? <laughs> yeah.
1: When did he stop? When he just got tired he, he of just running, <laughs> decided
0: I, I'm going to stop now. Yeah,
1: I'm just going to stop.
0: I can remember the reaction of the people that were running with him. They're like, Oh wait, he's stopping. Yeah. You know, and he just turned around and he walked away. Andrew Luck has decided to stop, but it's it's tough timing for the Colts. And the Colts fans. Here's what Doug Baldwin tweeted. How dare luck not sacrifice... This is sarcastic. How dare luck not sacrifice his body for my entertainment. Who cares if your shoulder is too messed up to pick up your child? Who cares if your knees are too messed up to play with your kids? Who cares about the quality of your life? What about the quality of my Sundays? Yeah. That's Doug Baldwin.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he walked away too. He's one of them. Yeah. You think Doug Baldwin could have played this year? If he was hell I mean... He did look good last year, right? Yeah, he was he struggling. See. He was struggling physically. Right. He had a few more years, at least it looked like. But he he, know, he may, may still
0: have a few more. may still come back. Maybe Andrew Luck will come back.
1: Well, but- I, I tweeted out that, you know, he retired. That means he'll go win a Super Bowl for the Broncos, right? Because that's what Peyton Manning did. <laughs> <laughs> we thought Peyton Manning was done. Next thing you know, he's playing. He's in Super Bowls. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah, maybe he'll come, maybe he'll miss it and come back. But I don't know. I mean, Barry Sanders walked away. It was a long time ago. He just walked away. He's still good. Calvin
0: Johnson walked away, yeah. the wide receiver. Um, there were some that were forced out by injury that retired really, really. Early. But Barry Sanders is a, good, is, is a good example. He was at the top of his game. Could have still played for he, sure. Uh, yeah. no, no question. They yeah. just decided, you know, I had enough. All right. Uh, we're going to do, obviously, a full segment with Brady Henderson of ESPN, ESPN.com on the Seahawks, where they are after x So I don't want to do too much. Give me – I'll give you the floor. Give, give me – Give me three thoughts, two or three thoughts on preseason game number
1: three. Ursua needs first team reps. I want to I'm see with him you. with the first team. I'm with you. You know where he's born, May not May not make the team. Or, may not make the team. Come on.
0: Brady may not Hen- make it? I've already done the interview. Brady Ooh. Henderson is saying he does not play special teams and very rarely does one of the final receivers that makes your roster – not play special teams.
1: Yeah, I guess you have to. Um
0: he may still not make the team, may end up on the practice squad. Don't know. Where did he
1: where did he get to? Uh, where he, was he born? He was born in West Palm Beach, Florida. He was? Are you familiar with it? I was born in West Palm Beach, Florida. <laughs> Same know. hospital? You know what hospital? I don't know what hospital. We're Get not that out good of here. friends, yeah. I read that he's born in West Palm Beach. He went to Hawaii, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Did he go to high school in West Palm Beach, Florida? I don't know. Oh, he was already my favorite well, see. And now?
1: I <laughs> know I knew you'd love him. Can it. you look it up? What high right, school did he go to? Right. Did he leave
0: he was born in West Palm Beach, Florida? Yeah. John Ursua?
1: Oh my god. How about that? I love that.
0: All right, give me another give, give me another thought. Do you have another do you have a thought? I do. Why you want you want to look up Ursua? Yep. Um I'm pissed at the Chargers. That's one of my. That's one of my thoughts. Okay. There's a unwritten rule in the NFL that you play your starters in the third preseason game. They sat out like Rivers, like Rivers. Yeah. How about the list? The list is like (laughs) twelve or four. They're like their ten best players. They sat out, and so we didn't get every. Everything is with an asterisk. Everything that the Seahawks did on Saturday night is with an asterisk. Their best pass rushers were out. Bowe's out. Uh, 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 Ingram is out. Uh, Rivers is out. Keenan Allen is out. Obviously, Melvin Gordon's not playing. I mean, the Chargers, it was the first string Seahawks against the second. How do you gauge yourself if you're playing against everybody's second stringers? There's no reason why the Chargers shouldn't have been playing some guys in the third preseason game. No reason. Pissed at the Chargers. That's my, my number one. Where do you go to high school?
1: Uh, I can't find it. Okay. Right. K.J. Wright, has he yeah. really been playing in the NFL for nine
2: years?
1: Yeah, yeah. nice guy. Does it feel like nine years to yeah. you? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, no, because he's hurt all the
1: time. I would have <laughs> said four or five years. Well, he's been hurt for four years. Okay, maybe that's why. I could not believe I heard nine years. Nine years. That's of a long course. time for a linebacker, Well, he though. was
0: on the, the heyday team. I mean, how long is it since they won the Super Bowl? When five did they or win? six. When did they win the Super Bowl? Five or six? Yeah, it was like
1: 2013, right?
0: That they won the Super Bowl? Yeah. Oh, okay. 13-14? All right. Maybe it was a misprint. Maybe he's only been in the league four years.
1: I, I heard th- Brock pretty three nine years. I was like, wow.
0: Well, Brock's made a mistake, by the way. At some point. You think so? Life? Yeah. How about the three linebackers? Wagner, right? How about Kendricks? Kendricks looks good. Coming off the how about Kendricks yeah. getting after people in the back? Was, how, how did Kendricks look on that on that Saturday night? He looked good to me. Against their second stringers. Right, but that's the problem, yeah. All right, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Russell Wilson looks bouncy. And that's a good thing. Bouncy how? Willing to run in the preseason now a couple of times, to- two, three, four times he's he's held the ball and run in the preseason. First of all, yeah. I don't know that that's a very good idea. But uh, on Saturday night, there was one play where he was flushed out of the pocket, was looking, looking, looking to throw, and then decided to take off to his left. Do you remember the play yeah. early in the game? Gained about 10 or 12 yards. I He looks like he's gotten a like a half a step back like the last couple of years I've made comments on Twitter and I used to do a radio show I don't know if you know that I just do a radio show sorry what's radio again did radio show uh, on here I, I the last couple of years I felt like he was had had significantly had significantly slowed down when he had gone to run I see a little quickness back I see like there's a little spark this is a good thing I think there's some bounce in Russell Williams, uh, Russell Wilson's step.
1: What would you think about his long ball? His his touch. I
0: like wasn't his, great. Yeah, I felt like his touch okay, was off. But he's he's the best long ball throw.
1: I mean, it's preseason.
0: He's the best long ball thrower in the in in the NFL. Great. Sometimes Let's he likes. See it. Sometimes, well, in the, in the in the big games, you'll see. <laughs> oh, is that right? Sometimes he likes to get really cute and throw some really soft, like. Like he likes to just show off. Head. let show off a little bit, yeah. and it comes back to haunt him. Yeah, he, it wasn't great. His long ball throw. He had a touchdown, probably. I don't remember. It was a Tyler Lockett. Somebody. He had a touchdown to somebody that he he put a little too more, much air on. Tyler Lockett. I think. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Rashad Penny finally got a little blocking. Looked okay. Played with played with the first team a bit. Like he that.
0: did. I don't like seeing Chris Carson. Can we can we sit Can we sit yeah. Chris Carson? I'm down? ready. I'm
1: ready. To, you were ready after one game. I'm ready. I, now. I
0: was ready before one game. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Uh all right. So we'll we'll leave the rest. Wide receiver question. CJ ProSize, I'm not mentioning him.
1: Well, he looked good, but I was like, I can't let myself get excited. I can't let myself because he won't be there for me. He, we're gonna get catfish. Every by
0: him. T- yes, every time <laughs> CJ ProSize carried the ball and started doing something, you know what I did?
1: What? I'm not watching.
0: I know. I'm not watching. I don't don't want to I don't, don't want to hear that he's good. I don't want to see that he's good. I and this is not because I dislike the guy, I just I can't be sucked in. Please don't suck me in right. again. I can't do this. I can't go down this road. I'm done with CJ ProSize. No matter how good he looks, I am finished. I'm done. It hurts. Please, I don't want to see I it. I know it hurts okay. too much. Pull him off the, in the middle of God. the run. I wish I wish like when he broke it to the outside, I wish yeah. like some coach went out in the middle of the run and grabbed him and just brought him out because I don't want to see it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not interested in CJ ProSize. If CJ ProSize makes this team...
1: And we go down this road again. I, I come on. He's been there for three years, four years, and you see why though. He's very talented. You see why they love he's him, and they can't just healthy. let him go. He's no.
0: He's not going to stay
1: healthy. Stop it. Okay. All right. Football's not for everybody. Not for everybody. Literally, it's tough. It's tough on the body. He may be one of them.
0: All right. Peter King on uh, Andrew Luck, Brady Henderson on the Seahawks. We're going to try to project the roster. Who else do I have? Rick Neuheisel's return to the show and a very interesting fourth guest by the name of Michael Schwimmer who uh, is going to guarantee he will win you money if you let him. All that to come. And we've got a, are you going to name it uh, episode Bobby Wagner? Are you going to go Brian Urlacher? What are you going to do? Do you need it right now? No, I don't. Okay. Hot shot Steve Dion is not only the executive producer of Mitch Unfiltered, but after he heard me talking about the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage over and over again, he decided to give him a call for a refi.
4: Yeah, I gave uh, Jordan a buzz in uh, late July, Um, was interested to get a uh, quote on a refi, um, just the way the market has been with with interest rates dropping as they have. Kind of tailored a, a mortgage around my preferences. One of the main parts that was appealing was the fact that he was able to cut out my mortgage insurance. Uh, he bought that out completely um, really consolidated the loan into one clean monthly payment, amortized over a shorter time horizon and at a lower rate really easy process you know I'm working with Jordan and christina there not not bad for a coog you know i I was uh hesitant to put my uh put my dollars and cents into uh the hands of a a wazoo grad but you know, it all turned out, t- turned out well th- thus far. From beginning to end,
0: Steve, how long did it take? Took about a month total. How long was the first phone conversation until you determined what you could save per month? It's about a 15-minute call. When you include the mortgage insurance, how much less are you paying per month now on a percentage basis thanks to the refi with the Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage?
4: I'm paying about 8 to 10% less a month on top of that, uh, we'll be paying for five less years. So it's kind of a win-win on both, both sides.
0: So my line on the podcast that you're crazy not to call the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage with the low interest rates at the moment, just to find out what you could be saving in a refinance is on point.
4: Well, it, it's valid unless you want to spend more money every <laughs> month. <I> mean... <laughs> oh, and Mitch, one last thing. Where's my Tumblr?
0: <laughs> there it is. Stop standing on the sidelines. Guild Mortgage and the Kirkland office at 425-250-3150. You could start saving big time today.
3: Unfiltered. I've been stuck in this process. I haven't been able to live the life I want to live. Taking the joy out of this game. And after 2016, where I played in pain and was unable to regularly practice, I made a vow to myself that I would not go down that path again. I find myself in a similar situation. And the only way forward for me is to remove myself from football in this cycle that I've been in. Joining us on the
0: Zeke's Pizza Hotline is Peter King, Football Morning in America, the Peter King podcast, which is coming out this week. It's presented all year long by Fireside Home Solutions. You've always wanted a fireplace or a new fireplace, but it's too much trouble, right, or too expensive. That's where Fireside Home Solutions comes in. Let these guys come to your home and come up with a solution, firesidehomesolutions.com. Peter King, three weeks ago, Andrew Luck told you face-to-face that he would be ready. He would be ready for the season opener, and now this. In all of your years, when was the last time you were blindsided as much as you were with this Andrew Luck retirement announcement?
5: You know, this to me is, Mitch, is the most stunning retirement that I've seen in the NFL. You know, a bunch of people have, um, in the last uh, day or so, said that Jim Brown and Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, and there were some others, um, you know, that those retirements compare to this one, but I totally disagree Um You know, the first two are running backs who were 30 and 31, respectively, Jim Brown and Barry Sanders. And uh, in Jim Brown's case, you know, he left to go act in movies. He could make more money in Hollywood easily than he could make in the NFL. Um, And Calvin Johnson was 30. And who knows how much longer he'd have had. And he was a, even though he was a big star and a very good player, he's a nondescript person, not a star. He's a wide receiver. We're talking about here that when healthy, Andrew Luck, like last year, he, according to Pro Football Focus, was the third best quarterback in football. He certainly is a top five to seven quarterback when healthy. And, uh, you know, for him to walk away with, you know, in terms of future earnings, over $300 million on the line with one of the best uh, careers that a quarterback could have, you know, on the line in the future. I mean, this was a just a stunning development. I just didn't see it coming.
0: He's obviously a very sensitive guy, an emotional guy. Is there any chance, do you think, that he would change his mind about this, either now or sit out a year? Like I say, Doug Baldwin might sit out a year, feel better physically, and give it a run. He'll still be only 30 years old a year from now.
5: That wouldn't surprise me, really, Mitch, but uh, I talked to Frank Reich on Sunday, and, um, you know, the coach. I talked to both Frank Reich and Chris uh, Ballard, the general manager, and um, neither of them have any indication that this is anything but a permanent retirement. And as Reich said, I think we have to take him at his word. We don't have any other um, we don't have any other uh, any other uh, education about this or or information about this that suggests that even that he might come back. But you have to think that the Colts are thinking he might come back because they basically handed them twenty-four and a half million dollars that they didn't have to. Um, so at this point, you know, we'll see what happens, Mitch. I, 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 I don't know what the odds are. I don't really know Andrew Luck. Well, I mean, I know him. We had a funny little moment when, when I was in training camp uh, three weeks ago today, um, I, uh, I, I basically said to him, so, uh, you know, what, 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 what book have you read recently? What, what have you, what have you really enjoyed? Uh, and he said, you mean other than your column? I mean, isn't your column a book? And, uh, and so, you know, he's a, he got, he got his place in sort of the media and public sphere. He didn't like fame at all, but he understood his place in the, in the sports of fear or whatever you would call it. And, uh, you know, he played his role the best he could.
0: For the people, the few people, uh, Peter, that are being critical, I think uh, they're being critical with the timing. Could he have done this months ago, giving the Colts a chance to react to this decision, do you think?
5: Well, you know, if you take him at his word, and I do, because I have no reason not to, um, you know, on August 4th, which was three weeks ago, he told me flat out that he, there was no doubt in his mind that he would start opening day against the chargers. And, you know, my reporting, you know, on Sunday, Mm -hmm. you know, after in the 24 hours after this decision was made, or this decision was announced anyway, he he made the decision uh, last Monday actually. But on the day that this was announced, um, you know, and in the 24 hours after that, my reporting says that um, he became very uh, uh, upset about the fact that uh, he thought that this calf injury that he had was going to be something that would go away with rehab and, uh, mm. you know, and training and all that. And not only didn't it go away. But I believe in the week after I saw him, um, you know whether it was you know, August 6, 7, 8, 9, somewhere right in there, that the injury actually got worse and they found more
2: uh.
5: damage than originally that they had thought. And I think that, I believe, was the, the beginning of the end mm. for Andrew Luck because think about it, Mitch. He said in his press conference that he was determined – to not repeat 2016 where every game he went out and played in pain. And he was just starting to think that, okay, you know, if I get well, I'm going to go out and play. And if I don't get well, I'm not going to play. And here he was feeling lousy in that calf lower leg area on his left leg. And he just kept thinking to himself, it not only isn't getting better, it's worse than it was three or four months ago. Mm. So I think he felt like I am not going through this again. And rather than, you know, the Colts offered him an opportunity to go on IR and to basically just take your time to get this thing rehabbed and done the right way. And he just said, I I can't I can't even face this again. And that's why I think he, he made this decision.
0: The voice of Peter King brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. Uh, they don't just do fireplaces, folks. They do garage doors and gorgeous barbecue setups as well at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Peter King, how long do you think Jim Irsay, Chris Ballard, and the Colts organization knew? And, and part B of this question, I saw an article recently wondering whether the Colts misfired over the years, not building a better offensive line, not committing enough resources to protecting him along the offensive line a little bit better. Otherwise, maybe he wouldn't be as injured. Are they culpable in any way?
5: Well, I do think that they did a poor job of reinforcing the offensive line until Chris Ballard got there. There's no question about that, but you make decisions all the time when you draft and when you sign players in free agency and I think it's a pretty convenient um, – I think Ryan Grigson, the former general manager who now works under John Schneider, is a pretty convenient scapegoat. Um, but, you know, the fact is that you make choices when you draft. And you these choices that you make are not always the right ones, but you've also got people in your organization acting as your backstops. So if everybody else is uh, – I mean, clearly, the Bucks stopped with Grigson in some of the decisions they made on draft day. But I'll always believe that it, it, it isn't a one-man show picking players. Yeah. You know, you've, yeah. you've got other people yeah. in this democratic process who, uh, you know, who have a voice, too. And so I do think they should have done a better job in reinforcing that offensive line uh, before last season. Uh, and and they didn't do that, but I, I would hardly uh, blame all of that on uh, on the retirement of, of Andrew Luck.
0: Peter, assuming that Andrew Luck doesn't come back, doesn't change his mind, never comes back, never plays football again, I guess what did he play? Six years? Seven years? He's less than 30, younger than 30 years old. In five, seven, eight, ten 10 years, when we look back upon the Colts and and Andrew Luck, uh, how will he be viewed? How, how will Andrew Luck's career in the NFL be remembered, do you think?
5: You know, sort of as the one that got away. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so many people came out today. Daniel Jeremiah, who was a longtime scout be- before he got into the media, said that, I don't know how many years, 12 or 15 years, that he was a scout. Uh, the best scouting report he ever wrote on a player was on Andrew Luck. In 2012, so you know, again, he obviously did not achieve what I mean. He never even made it to a Super Bowl in the seven years he played. So, and again, I'm not being critical of Andrew Luck. I'm just simply stating a fact that you know the the Indianapolis Colts, uh, you know, now basically have been in position three times. Uh, since 1983 to pick uh, quarterbacks with the first pick in the draft. Um, obviously, they uh, traded away John Elway. Uh, they picked Peyton Manning, and they picked Andrew Luck. Luck had some moments. Um, Elway won two Super Bowls, and uh, Manning won one Super Bowl with the Colts and one one in Denver. So, you know, they really didn't get their money's worth out of you know, the three guys who they right. were in position anyway right. to draft number one overall. In fact, they only got one Super Bowl total uh, out of those three either players who played for them or in the case of Elway, uh, a guy who they used as a trade chip. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I think you you look back at it. It isn't just a failure uh, because of Andrew Luck, even though, his first three years, <clears throat> he won 11 games per season, and they made the playoffs each of the first three years. They just were never able to get over the hump. And I think he was a he was a very good player. But, you know, Mitch, what happens today is that uh, players used to be judged on a different set of uh, uh, sort of factors than they are today because think about it quarterbacks today they're routinely playing 15 to 18 years i mean that's that's routine and 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 now you've got andrew luck um who you know was injured obviously a lot in the second half of his short career played very well in the first part of his career but he he will end up playing less than half of what the majority of very good starters play in his career. It sort of reminds me in a different way of the career of Tony Baselli. Uh, I'm, I'm a believer that Tony Buscelli, uh certainly should uh, merit strong hall of fame consideration, even though, you know, he only played, I, I, you know, and I don't have it in front of me somewhere around seven years. Um, and, and, and I don't know that anybody will ever make a, a convincing argument for Andrew luck for the Hall of Fame, but Lord, was he good when he played? And uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that'll be sort of his epitaph. He was good when he played.
0: Last question for Peter King uh, brought to you by Fire Soda home Solutions. peter, the the critical third week of the preseason is now come and gone. And um, here we are. That's a home stretch, and we'll be we'll be at opening day before you know it. Any thoughts? I'll just blank canvas. Do you have a thought or two now that you've seen a bunch of these teams and a bunch of these teams get ready for their, their opening opening game? Anything you want to lay on us? I would come up with
5: three thoughts. I mean, one would be that, uh, that the New York Giants are soon going to have a decision to make. Yep. They're saying all the right things now about Eli Manning. Uh, but the fact is that Daniel Jones, even playing when he plays against uh, the better units on defense um, has significantly outplayed Eli Manning in the preseason. I am not one of those people who wants uh, the starting quarterback of a team judged on 30 pass attempts in the preseason. But, you know, Daniel Jones is at a very, very good August. Mm -hmm. And, And again, that doesn't mean that Eli should take a seat now. What it means is that if the Giants are 0-3 uh, and or if Eli is playing poorly in September, they got to make the move. I mean, Daniel Jones is the quarterback of the future. There is no sense lollygagging on that. That would okay. be one. Okay. I think the second thing, second thing would be uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. Jacoby Brissett started 15 games two years ago just basically walking in off the street from new England after a labor day trade. And two weeks later, he's the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. So he basically learned that offense on the fly. Now he's had the opportunity to sit behind Andrew Luck, who's become a very good friend to learn the offense of Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator and Frank Wright, the head coach, um, and we'll see. I mean, this is a huge, huge year for, uh, you know, for Brissette because if he doesn't play well, the Colts, who have three picks in the first two rounds next year, are going to take a quarterback yeah. and are going to let him walk. Yeah. That's the second thing. And I think the third thing that that has gotten a lot of attention, but I'm not really sure that, that people um, are, are sort of grasping how important it is, and that is, you know, the continued holdout of Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I think it's all well and good for the Cowboys to be able to say, we trust this young kid, this fourth-round pick from Memphis, and we're very happy if, if he has to play. But I do think that, that you know, there are – the Cowboys are very, very lucky, Mitch, because, you know, the Dallas Cowboys have the most welcoming – Early season schedule of anybody in football. Right. Right. They open with the Giants, Washington, and Miami, mm-hmm. and and you know you've got to figure two of those three are at home, and you've got to think that with or without Elliott, they're going to minimum win two of those games. So they are still in the negotiating driver's seat against Ezekiel Elliott, and uh, for the Cowboys' sake, they can play. They can play well in September without him. I don't think they're going very far at all uh, without him come late December.
0: Peter King, terrific. Nobody does it better. Read him, the Football Morning in America piece that will be out this week and, of course, the Peter King podcast. We'll be reading and we'll be listening, Peter. Thanks for your participation on the show. Appreciate it very much.
5: Happy to be on, Mitch. Have a
0: great week. The voice of Peter King, who, frankly, we didn't even schedule to be on Episode 54 originally, but when we heard the astonishing news the other night, of Andrew Luck, six years in the NFL, before the age of 30, on his way to a Hall of Fame career, stepping away from football to increase the quality of his life, not feeling it physically, not feeling it mentally. We just had to get a national perspective, and we thank Peter King for that. Hotshot, you know the big news from Evergreen Golf Call by now, the introduction of Evervestment, a digital investing platform that combines the ease of a robo-advisor with decades of proven investment experience. For months, I've been shouting at you about Evergreen GovCall, a Northwest investment advisor offering premier wealth management services. Now, the launch of Evergreen's new digital investment platform, Evervestment. Historically, EG, Evergreen GovCall has catered its investment expertise solely to high net worth individuals, but now... Using an online solution, you don't need to be a millionaire to get access to some of the same strategies they use for clients, all at a discounted fee. The same investment guidance as Evergreen's high net worth clients at a lower fee. Evervestment combines the ease of a digital account onboarding with the benefits of an actively managed portfolio. Decades of investment experience to back it up. Evervestment also provides you access to an actual human advisor should you need it, not some pop-up chat box on their website. Evervestment.com. Check them out. www.evervestment.com. You don't have to be a millionaire to invest like one. Evergreen Govcall, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest.
2: Unfiltered.
0: Fourth and short, little read option, they give it to Penny. Second
3: burst, was he in? Yes, he was. Touchdown Seattle. This is a one play, two pro and he is in for the Seattle touchdown. Smith on third and eight, probing. Gonna run for it, end zone, and he is in for the touchdown.
0: Masterfully done by the former Charger. It's time to break it all down. Uh, Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN.com and Mitch Unfiltered, Seahawks Insider on preseason game number three the other night in uh, in Southern California, all brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. Football season equals fireplace season. Allow the Fireside team to come to you and help you come up with a fireplace plan that suits your home and budget. Brady Henderson on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Brady, the the Seahawks played well. I guess we we should add an asterisk because the Chargers decided for whatever reason not to play anybody, hardly anybody, in their third preseason game. Isn't that the preseason game that everybody seems to play starters into the late second and early third quarters?
6: that is yeah so so that was a little surprising and you know our our uh, pal eric williams who used to be in this market tweeted out the list of chargers starters who were not playing and it was basically it looked like a starting lineup no philip rivers uh you know no melvin uh melvin ingram joey bosa all those guys so um yeah you do sort of have to take what you saw with a grain of salt knowing that whereas typically you see a lot of starters play in that third preseason game didn't really see a ton okay
0: Let's uh, let's break it down before we try to fill out the 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 roster for the Seattle Seahawks. Let's start with the the offense. Offense seemed to be good again against some second stringers of the Chargers. I said in a tweet Saturday night that uh, the offensive line, for my money, has been the brightest of bright spots for the Seahawks this season. Agree or disagree?
6: Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's been up there certainly, but again, you do have to take it with a grain of salt because you know as good as that pass protection looked. Um, there was no Joey Bosa, no Melvin Ingram, um, you know, so that, that's, that's going to change the equation, but, uh, you know, on those two touchdown runs, the, the Rashad Penny and the CJ Procise touchdown run, I mean, you saw, you saw the line really push you know, the, the Chargers defensive front five yards into the backfield or five yards into the, um, you know, the the second level there. Right, and that's right. what you want to see from a, a team that, you know, wants to run the ball. That's what you want to see. Ethan Posick in particular uh, on that Rashad Penny touchdown run. Penny ran right off of uh, that left side there, and, and Posick had a pancake block there. So um, some good stuff, albeit, again, taking it with a okay. grain of salt.
0: Okay, so you talk about Posick. When I did tweet that out, people – I got r- several responses from people asking about Ayupati. He hasn't even played yet this preseason. Where does this leave him? if the offensive line is playing as well as it has with Posick, where does it leave Ayupati? do you think?
6: Yeah, and you know, Pete Carroll was asked a question along those lines the other day saying, you know it would you stick with you know, in in some way, he was asked that question. And he basically said, you know, they like Ayupati there. So he all but said that, that is Ayupati's job. Again, assuming that Ayupati comes back, the, the word from Pete Carroll was that um, he's getting better and should be ready by week one. But, you know, I agree with you. I think that if you're the Seahawks and you've seen Ethan Posik play the way he has, I think you've got to consider that because you're talking about a guy who has been doing it very well. Again, against some backups, that's fine. Uh, but he's been playing well, and, uh, you know, meanwhile, Ayupati has missed a lot of time during training camp. I don't even, I don't even know if we've seen him out there for uh, a single practice during training camp. And, you know, this is not like a guy that you signed into this big free agent deal or a guy that you traded a high draft pick for. You know, this is somebody they signed to a one-year, pretty much team-friendly deal a few days into to pre-agency. So, um Again, if I were the Seahawks, I would at least have to con- consider Ethan Posick there. And the good thing for him is uh, it sounds like he'll get one more chance on Thursday night to-, to really convince them of that.
0: If they choose Posick, would they keep Ayupati still standing on the sidelines or would they cut him? Before the season starts,
6: I, yeah, I I think that they would keep him. I would have to check my notes on the exact contract details, but if I recall correctly, they guaranteed his his base salary. Okay. So okay. I don't know if if the cap savings would be worth it to to move on from him.
0: Since the last time you and I visited Brady Brady Henderson ESPN ESPN.com, David Moore came down with an injury, and it looks like it's going to be a while before he will be ready to add to that wide receiving core. So where do we stand? No Metcalf. At least for now, we don't know whether he'll be ready for week one. Now know David Moore. What is the second and third? Of course, we'll try to fill out the roster here in a couple of moments. What does the second and third wide receiver positions and three wide receiver sets look like in your eyes uh, obviously, with, tie, with 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 Lockett.
6: Yeah, well, there's not much doubt now. It seems that Jaron Brown is going to be, you know, that that second guy. And you could have, you know, said before this, where exactly does he fit? Is he the second, third? Is he the fourth guy? You don't really know. But um, you know, with Metcalf and David Moore, you know, Metcalf iffy for Week One. David Moore sounds like definitely not going to play Week One. And, you know, I think the, the as bad as the news as that is for the Seahawks wide receiver core in general and for their offense, it's certainly good news for those bubble guys, you know, the John Ursua, uh, Keenan Reynolds, Gary Jennings, who, again, a fourth-round pick. Um, if he was not a fourth-round pick, you know, you'd be talking about him being on the bubble way more than we have and maybe he still is on the bubble um as rare as it would be for them to cut a fourth round pick jazz ferguson another guy so um i would think that they would have to keep at least one more maybe even two more receivers uh than they would be inclined to just with the injury situations uh, with David Moore and DK Metcalf and one other thing I'll add there is that um, you know in order for if if David Moore's injury is as serious enough to, to cause him to miss you know several games um, then he would become a candidate for IR with the designation to return but if they want to bring him back if they want to put him on IR and bring him back he's got to start the season or he's got to start he's got to be on the 53 as of cut down day so he would in other words be on that initial 53-man roster And then they would have to put
0: him on. Okay, Uh, we'll get to the 53 man roster in a moment. I also tweeted, got a lot of reaction. I really like John Ursua. You just mentioned him. I think he should be on the football team. I don't think that they should try to risk trying to get him onto the practice squad. There's something about him. He brings a different element. I know we've talked Doug Baldwin. We can also talk Bobby Ingram, if you'd like, if you'd like to go back a little bit further. There's just something about Ursua, quickness. Uh, A professional receiver, a guy who gets into the right place, into the seams. Uh, I think he should be on the football team regardless who else is injured and available. What do you think about Ursua?
6: I mean, I I agree with you. He just moves differently than every other receiver. You know, we were watching him uh, sort of in this little agility drill that they did in practice the other day, and you see the way that he gets in and out of his cuts he just moves with a different sort of finesse that other guys have um, and i agree with you i think he, he i think he's an nfl wide receiver now if i were to play devil's advocate and the one reason why i'm not convinced that he's going to make this team is because when you're talking about the last guy in a receiver core those guys have to play special teams in order to justify that roster spot and we just have not seen him right. uh do that yeah. as often as we've seen you know Keenan Reynolds there right. um you know Keenan Reynolds we've seen him on the punt team we've seen him returning kicks uh... which is an area that you know they're going to be looking to take some of that load off of tyler lockett's plate so that would be the the one you know the one caution i would have and i would also mention too you know, I remember two years ago who was the preseason star for the Seahawks, it was Cason Williams, and he ended up not making the team. So um, there's a lot more that goes into it than than just okay. the guy who flashes the most in those preseason games on offense. Talk
0: about flashing on Saturday night. C.J. Procise is back, <laughs> teasing <laughs> right. us teasing us again. No one will soon forget the Sunday night game in New England many years ago where ProSice looked like a guy who could play NFL football for a very long time. What did it mean to him? Did he make the team? Had he already made the team? I know we'll get to the 53-man uh, projections. What did Saturday night mean for C.J. Prosize?
6: Well, it was good for him, even if he doesn't end up making the Seahawks, which if I'm doing a 53-man roster projection, I still might leave him off. Um, but that's good for him just because there has not been a ton of tape on him for other teams to see just because he's missed so much time. I, I, I edited it up last night. I believe he has – Uh, I believe he's only played in 16 of a possible 48 games uh, over his three seasons. So there's just not a lot out there on him. You have to go back to basically the 2016 season, that New England game uh, that you mentioned. So he's got some good film on tape for other teams to see. And, you know, if I'm the Seahawks, you know, certainly that injury history is going to be in the back of my mind uh, or maybe in the front of my mind when I'm talking about is it going to be him is it going to be McKissick is it going to be Travis Homer how many tailbacks do you keep so um yeah bottom line I I don't think he solidified a spot by any means but he at least helped himself
0: how the defensive line play on Saturday night still concerned with what they'll have to start the the regular season Brady
6: yeah, I don't think that you were going to learn a ton about that defensive line just because, you know, you don't have LJ Collier out there. You don't have Ziggy Ansah out there. Um, I think we learned more uh, from Pete Carroll's press conference, the, you know, a couple days before that game when he said that Ziggy Ansah has a really good chance of practicing next week. Um, that is significant because, you know, the Seahawks typically like to have guys practice for at least two weeks before they play, and we've seen that, you know, with guys that they've brought back midseason off of, uh, P.U.P. or NFI, whether it was Deshaun Shedd or J.D. McKissick a couple of years ago, really they like to have those guys practice for two weeks before they cut them loose. So, again, we've talked about this. If, if Ziggy Anta practices next week, that's two weeks uh, before the start of the regular season. And even Pete Carroll had an interesting comment saying that, you know, I, is, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, look, if we have to do it after one week of practice, we could do that. So, you know, we've gone back and forth. The BHI uh, has been recalibrated <laughs> several times. And based on what I heard from Pete Carroll, I, I am ready to put that well over 50%. Okay. Put, put, move that back to well over 50%. All right.
0: all right. It's all brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. Brady Anderson, time for a new fireplace that will change the entire feel of your home. Firesidehomesolutions.com. I keep going back. I know I'm beating a dead horse. I keep going back for as much as I like the offensive line and maybe even where the entire offense is, Chris Carson and so forth, I keep going back to that pass defense, Brady. And on Saturday night, even without Phillip Rivers, Keenan Allen, some of the other guys in the passing game for the Chargers, that that intermediate pass defense, uh, those, 10, those 8 and 10-yard catch and, and runs – for the uh, Chargers on Saturday night, it really, really worries me. It goes along with lack lack of pass rush and having to blitz linebackers from those positions where they would be in position to to help defend the intermediate passing. All all of that kind of wrapped into one still leaves me as a Seahawks fan concerned. Is that fair, or am I just being a negative Nelly? On all of this.
6: No, I, I think it's, it's completely fair. And you, you hit the nail on the head there with that. That's the dual-edge sort of blitzing. You know, When you get home, that's great. And that's, that's sort of what fans tend to think. That's what happens every time you blitz, that you're going you know, to get to the quarterback. Well, if you don't, you leave an area of the defense vacated where that linebacker was in coverage. And you know, that's why you have not seen the Seahawks under Pete Carroll and whatever coordinator he's had calling his defense. You've not seen them be a heavy blitzing defense. Uh, because this is a defense that really likes to keep things in front of it, and it's going to concede, you know, those two, three, four, five yard gains, knowing that you're going to keep everything in front of you, uh, and you're going to get off the field on third down. So um, I, I do think you saw some of that last night, the or on the Saturday night. Excuse me, the danger in blitzing, and um, you know, there's a lot more than just the linebackers that plays into that. There's the cornerback play, there's the the pass rush, as you mentioned, and you know, I think that um, you know, cornerback, that's one area where. I wonder if they might look to bolster their depth there, whether it's the waiver wire or whether it's a, a trade. You know, they have 10, tra- 10 draft picks scheduled for next season. Um, so they, they're going to have the, the ammunition to, to pull a trade if they want to. Uh, and I wonder if adding some cornerback depth could be one area where they do that.
0: Do you think they've decided who that safety starter opposite McDougal is? Or are they really, truly waiting to see something happen on the Thursday night game against the Oakland Raiders?
6: Yeah, no, I don't think it's it's determined by any means. Just because you know we don't really know um, how serious Marquise Blair's back injury is, and it seems right. to be a moving target as far as what exactly that is. First, it was back spasms, then it was a back bruise, and now Pete Carroll sort of compared it to a hip pointer uh, after the game. So he he said that Blair should be back uh, by this week, but there there is not. We have not seen a ton of him just because he missed a ton of time uh, with a hamstring injury, and we have not seen really anything other than what we saw Saturday night from Lano Hill, who has missed a lot of time, really the entire offseason, it seems like, coming back from that hip injury. So uh, really, Tedra Thompson is the only known quantity you have there of those three guys that are competing for that spot. So um, I think they need all the evaluation that they get. And so I, I would imagine that this is not going to be determined until after that uh, Thursday night game.
0: All right, so Brady brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. They have to what, next Sunday, right, on on Sunday They'll have to make a decision on a 53-man roster. Why should Saturday. we a uh, Saturday? Why why should Saturday. we Why should we wait? Why should you and I wait? We shouldn't wait. Let's do it right now. No. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Let's let's do it. Is Russell Wilson safe? Do you think?
6: Oh boy, I don't have to look at the details <laughs> of his contract, but I think so. Yeah. All right. We're, two we're say two
0: quarterbacks. Safe. Who are they going to be? W- Wilson and who?
6: I think it's going to be Geno Smith. And you would have thought that you know it looked like Paxton Lynch was gaining ground. I think Geno Smith has regained that ground with Paxton okay. Lynch missing time. Okay. I think it's going to be Geno Smith.
0: All right, how many running backs are they going to – how many tailbacks are they going to keep?
6: Boy, I, I've gone back and forth on this. I think three tailbacks and and one fullback. You know, Belor, we have not seen a, a ton of really encouraging play from him, but he got a little bit of money guaranteed in his contract. Uh, so if I had to guess right now, it's certainly going to be Carson and, and Penny and then take your pick of that third tailback. Uh, I might go. I might go. J.D. McKissick, even though C.J. Process had that good game.
0: Okay, so Carson, Penny, and McKissick. We try to get Homer onto the uh, practice squad. Is that right?
6: That that's the thought there. Yeah, and, okay. and that's going to be tough because he is a guy who could factor in on special teams, so he is going to have appeal to teams okay. uh, on that waiver wire. All but right. but that might be a risk that they're willing to all take. All right.
0: So we have two quarterbacks. We have three tailbacks. That's five. We have a fullback. That's six. How many wide receivers are going to are we going to keep on the fifty-three man roster today? We're doing well, all. Yeah. By the way, we're doing all of John Schneider's work for him so that he can get on that big boat and drive away and not right. have to worry next weekend. How many receivers are we going to keep?
6: Well, and, and this is where you could see some, some of that roster maneuvering that I mentioned. You know, the 53-man the, the projection I'm doing, that takes into account what that's going to look like Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Okay. Um, so I think they're going to keep seven initially, knowing that maybe you put David Moore uh, on short-term IR, okay. um, you know, the next day or, or later in the week. Uh, but I think seven initially, just because of the injury situation.
0: And they are Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. You're including David Moore as one of the seven, right? Yep. Uh, Jerron Brown is certainly one of the seven. Lockett, Metcalf, two. Moore, three. Brown, four. Uh, what, Who else? Who else are you going to do? I,
6: yeah, I, I'm going to go Gary Jennings. I, I know that he has Five. not shown a ton, but I think that he is a guy that, that they think, even if he doesn't really do a whole lot his rookie season, he's going to be a guy that is going gonna, is gonna to progress a lot, take a really big jump similar to what Golden Tate did uh, after his rookie season. So Gary Jennings would be the fifth. And, uh, you know, another name that is probably not on a lot of people's 53-man projections is Keenan Reynolds. And, uh, you know, I talked to wide receiver coach Nate Carroll the other day, and and he had an interesting comment saying that he trusts Keenan Reynolds as much as he trusts anybody in that wide receiver core. And he also noted that he can play all the positions. So versatility, reliability, two things that go a long way when you're trying to make a team. So I have Keenan Reynolds on there as the number six. And then I am going to go with... I don't know who that. I don't know who the seventh is going to be. John I haven't Ursula. even made up my mind yet. John it's either Ursula? it's either Ferguson, yeah, it's either Jazz Ferguson or John sua
0: Wow, you you really think there's a uh, okay? All right, Well, you, you talked about it. You talked about special teams. Sounds like you're not convinced John Ursua is going to make this team. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see on that.
6: Uh, yeah, and and the, and the thought there would be that you, you, because he has not factored in a lot on special teams, maybe that's a guy that you could get onto the practice squad and you could keep kay. in your system. All right, tight end. How many? See, th- this is the probably the second toughest call here um, just because we don't really know the situation with Ed Dixon. Right now, I'm going to give them four. Uh, four? My, four tight ends. Now, in wow. my in my projection that you see on ESPN.com later this week, you might only see three there. I have not made up my mind oh. uh, on Ed Dixon. That is, Ed Dixon is the, is the tough call there, and the reason I say that is because, yes, he's missed a lot of time here. He is making a little bit of money but when you factor in you know it's only a couple million dollars that you're going to save because you don't really save on the signing bonus proration then there's also the fact that you know you've got to find a replacement there so really it's two million less replacement cost that's really not a ton of savings for a guy that was your starting tight end last year or really played uh, like a starter for half the season there. So um, I wonder if they might keep him around just knowing that the savings doesn't really justify But if it. they
0: do that, they got to get rid of some They're not going to keep four tight ends. They're not going to keep four tight ends. So if, well, they, if they keep Dixon, then I think Vanette's who, – who would it be that would be the odd man out?
6: Right, right. And so, yeah, and so if, if they do keep Dixon, I've thought all along that it, it's going to be an either-or between Dixon and, uh, and Vanette. Uh, and that could very well be the case. Again, because if, with George Fant, who, by the way, Pete Carroll said he's expected to be ready by week one, uh, with him there basically serving as an extra tight end, you could, only, okay. you could afford to only keep three true tight ends on okay. your roster. How many offensive linemen? Yeah, I'm giving them nine. For now. Right. And, uh, you know, you, sometimes you see 10 or 9, uh, but we'll go 9 here just because of the roster crunch with the wide receivers and also the fact that, you know, their backups, the, all the backups that I'm projecting them, those guys can play multiple spots. Joey Hunt, uh, we've seen him play guard, tackle, center. Ethan Posick, we've seen him at center and guard. Uh, Jamarco Jones can presumably play both tackle spots, although I think he's more of a right tackle. Uh, and then again, Phil, we all know Ethan uh, George Fan being that that swing tackle.
0: Okay, so Phil Haynes is not going to make it.
6: Well, uh, yeah, I just, it's hard for me to project him onto the roster just because he's been on uh, NFI, and so we have not really okay. seen him in training camp okay. enough to, to project. Uh, him.
0: Defensive lineman. Uh, I think I'm looking at your last projection. We've got the obvious guys. Ansa is going to make the team. Woods, I think, is going to make the team. Puna Zavis is going to make the team. Cassius Marsh is going to make the team. Quentin Jefferson is going to make the team. LJ Collier is going to make the team. Who are the interesting decisions and how many defensive linemen are they going to take?
6: Well, yeah, I, I think I gave them nine right now. And again, you, you maybe go nine or ten, and maybe they might be inclined to go ten just because of the situations with Onsa and, and Collier. Even if those guys are back by week one, maybe you don't really want to play them a ton of snaps. In week one so I could see them going with 10 I think right now I have nine and uh, one of those backups is Earl Mitchell uh, okay, yeah, a veteran that, that they signed yep, I yep. think you need yeah with, with Jaron Reed out you and you know if a forward is going to be your starter you're talking about a second year undrafted guy who has not played a ton of football so I would feel a lot more comfortable with a veteran like Earl Mitchell there who by the way is not really making a ton of money so it's not like his contract is prohibited by any means so, who, uh, so who's, Earl the odd, Mitchell,
0: who's the odd man out Who's the guy that's going to have trouble making? This? Is Mingo safe?
6: Yeah, I, I I have Mingo not making not making it okay. in my projection, just because you know again he's an NFL player, he, he could help this team, but I don't think he could help this team enough to justify um, you know the, the five point two million dollar cap hit. Right. knowing that again he plays special teams, he does provide back it does provide versatility as your backup linebacker, but uh, that that's a significant cap hit for a guy who has not shown I think enough pass rush to really warrant it.
0: Rasheem Green. Makes the team? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right, linebackers. Uh, how many? So we got, I think Bobby Wagner's safe. Uh, yep. K.J. Wright, Michael Kendricks maybe makes up the best linebacking crew in the NFL. Kendricks, we didn't even mention, played just beautifully the other night on Saturday he night. He's had a great preseason, and everybody hopes for the best when his, uh, I guess, sentencing comes down. Uh, Cody Barton's made the team. After that, uh, we've got Calitro, uh, right? He's going to make the team. Yep. What uh, what do we do with what do we do with Ben Burke Irvin? What do we do with Shaquem Griffin? What do we do with anybody else?
6: Yeah. So th- this this might surprise you, but that's really all I've got is those five those first five you mentioned the starting three, and then Calitro and Cody oh, Barton. Okay. And you know you you would think that they would like to have you know more than five, but there's a couple reasons why I only have five. One is that Jacob Martin. We include him in the defensive line group. He really has worked a lot at strong side linebackers, so you've got a a backup there. So you've got your strong side linebacker situated there. Uh, And Cody Barton can also play that position. Nick Ballor is another guy who I mentioned keeping him as the fullback. Remember, he started his career and played several years uh, as a linebacker in the NFL. So that is another guy who, if you needed a linebacker, uh, to step in in a pinch. It's not like he played it in high school or college. Like He has played that position in the NFL. So um, I have them only going with five. And again, a lot, every you know every position is impacted by what happens uh, at other positions. And so only keeping five, that could be a product of if you have to keep seven receivers.
0: How's it going to feel to cut Shaquem Griffin?
6: Well, so in, in this scenario, I wonder if, if he's going to end up on injured reserve. And he has missed uh, quite a bit of time now. Uh, with what Pete Carroll has said is a knee bruise, which um, does not really seem like it's that serious of an injury, but it was serious enough to keep him out of, of a preseason game when he's fighting for a roster spot. So um, I wonder if, if we might see him go on IR. I don't know that. I don't have any inside information there. That's just kind of my sense, um, which, again, would would sort of solve what could be a, a pretty tricky you know, a difficult decision that they would have to make, uh, and whether you cut the guy or whether you keep him on the 53-man roster.
0: Last year's Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, would he make it onto the uh, practice roster? You think?
6: Well, yeah. I mean, I, it, that's a tough one, just because you know, the fact that the Seahawks drafted him in the fifth round that suggests that they felt like other teams had a, a you know a similar grade on him. Um, but I, I just don't know. I mean, he he is not a. As you know, he's not your typical NFL linebacker build, so I wonder if that's, you know, at least for now, only a guy that really projects on special teams, and I wonder if, if they might be able to sneak him on. Certainly he's a guy that, that they would want to keep in the system one way or another. Um, I just think they might be okay. able to sneak him through. Okay, through give,
0: me, give me a yes or no since we're running short on time. I'll go through the secondary. You tell okay. me yay or nay. Uh, well, well, Shaquille Griffin's in, Trey Flowers is in, Bradley McDougal's in. Marquise Blair is in somehow, some way. I don't know if he'll end up on an injury list. All right. Uh Lane O'Hill. Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Tedrick Thompson? Yes. Nico Thorpe? No. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Uh, that so that paves the way for King and the kid from Oregon to both make the team. Anybody else?
6: Deshaun Shedd is one guy Deshaun that I, I, I kinda yeah. like his chances. Yeah, just because you know he can play multiple positions. Uh, But again, I mentioned this before, I wonder if that's a a position where we see them try to bolster the depth via a trade or the waiver wire. All right,
0: and they got their long snapper. They've got Myers and Dixon, which makes up a nice formidable group of uh, special teams uh, stars, and there you have it. We just did 53. I don't know if we did or didn't. I didn't count it all up, but I'll give us credit for 53. You've got a tough week on your hands. Thursday, the last preseason game that nobody likes – the Oakland Raiders seem to be the opponent every single year at this time and season ticket holders all grumble because they had to buy season tickets for this thing. Um, <laughs> and 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 buy tickets for the third and uh, fourth and final preseason game. Brady Henderson, what did I miss? LJ Collier, Brady H- Henderson index on LJ Collier opening day. 51%. Ah, riding the fence. Brady H- Henderson index on DK Metcalf opening day. Brady Henderson index on Ziggy Ansah opening day 71% Brady Henderson index on Marquise Blair opening day 60% all right have a good week thank you for being with us all season long we can't wait uh, we'll talk after sometime after the Raiders' final preseason game. Thank you, Brady. Uh, you bet. Thanks, Mitch. Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN.com. Mitch Unfiltered, weekly Seahawks insider. One more Hawks preseason game to go. That awful game against the Raiders every year this week. And then in the words of famed boxing referee, Mills Lane... Let's get it on. And by the way, there's a brand new Zeke's Pizza location to spend a few hours watching the Seahawks beat up the Bengals maybe in a few weeks. Number 17 is in Woodinville. On 135th Avenue Northeast, Dan Black told me that Monica Pavelka, the owner and operator of the new Woodinville location, is as true blue a Seahawks fan as he's ever come across. So let's watch sports events at Zeke's Pizza. Maybe she'll do the all-you-can-eat pizza bar that Cap Hill did for us At our Super Bowl viewing. Most Zeke's locations now deliver beer, wine, and even cider. No one does Northwest craft beer quite like Zeke's, and that includes delivery. Download and use their mobile app. Order online at Zeke'sPizza.com or call 206 285 8646. Zeke'sPizza.com. 17 fabulous locations. It's football season, folks. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest.
2: Sildered.
0: I have been waiting. I, I, I didn't know whether the podcast was going to make it. We have been on fumes just trying to get to the next Rick Neuheisel appearance. I didn't know whether we were going to get to the finish line, but here we are. I've made it. This is episode number 54 And Rick Neuheisel presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Change out that old fireplace with a brand new sleek and heat efficient unit. It'll revolutionize the look and feel of your home. Football season is also fireplace season at Fireside Home Solutions. Here he is, CBS College Football Analyst. And the man whose voice you may have heard on a crazy, what do they call it? Week, weekend zero, Saturday zero game? Is that what they call the Week zero.
3: Week zero. Week zero. How are you, Mitch? Great to be with you, my friend. Yes, I uh, have made it safely back from the rock. The uh, (laughs) pride rock, as uh, the head coach at Hawaii likes to call it. Uh, Yes, uh, what a game. What a game we were treated to in week zero.
0: One yard short, right? The guy scrambled for how many? 34 out of 35 or 30 out of 31? Came up one yard short.
3: Yeah. Khalil Tate, uh, as he is wont to do. You know, Khalil Tate has scored 15 touchdowns in his career prior to last night. And the average distance of those uh, touchdowns has been 37 yards. Wow. The average distance of those 15 touchdowns. And he was about on the 37-yard line. So uh, he just didn't quite get there. I thought it was going to be another leap at the lake, as we all remember that oh, Arizona quarterback going into uh, yeah. uh, Seattle yeah. many years ago yeah. in the Lambright era. Yeah, uh, it was a uh, it was an epic game for offense. If you were a defense aficionado, you were going to struggle last I night. I see.
0: Well, I want you to know that while most people would be interested in the Hawaii Arizona game. You're talking to the one guy who believes from the bottom of my heart that somewhere along the trip, the business trip that it was for CBS, that around at McKenna, I just refuse to believe there wasn't a round of golf at McKenna in the New Heisel weekend. Am I right or wrong about that?
3: I can tell you with great pleasure that there was a round of golf at McKenna. that uh, I did find a way to uh, make that a part of the weekend research okay. <laughs> is how i uh, how i termed it uh trying to get a little bit of a feel for the winds because who knew if it wasn't going to come down to a kick and uh-huh. what that would mean to the uh to the uh the place kickers involved so i just wanted to get a little feel for the what they call over there the trade winds uh-huh. or perhaps a kona wind if the wind comes in the opposite direction oh, but uh, the only way i knew how to do that is to get out there with my sticks and uh Just try it out for myself.
0: How are we, when are we going to see Neuheisel next? And I need a. the last time you and I visited on this podcast, you had just wrapped up what I would consider an AAF title. Uh, when the when the league folded. Bless
3: you, bless you. <laughs> Steve Spurrier is cringing somewhere, but uh, you keep going. <laughs> you you beat him.
0: You beat him fair and square. So you're the AA, AAF champion, and I don't know. You were getting to ready to embark upon a little bit of an off season. I I, I imagine you played a lot of golf. I imagine you chase uh, some balls around of your kids because I know they play golf. What did you do with your time, and then what do we see? When do we see you next? Do we see you in studio? Or are we going to see you at games? Combination of both. Give us the lowdown on New these days.
3: New had a great summer. Uh, I spent a lot of time watching my youngest son Joe play golf. He's uh, played in a lot of amateur events around uh, mostly the western part of the country, and so I went to a bunch of those tournaments. Spent a little time in. Uh, Central Oregon, Bend area, mm-hmm. then went up and saw some friends in Seattle and played a member guest of uh, a couple of our good buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a great summer. Uh, I'm going to be part of CBS and CBS uh, Sports Network here the next few weeks. So CBS, as you may remember, used to have the uh, rights to the U.S. Open tennis tournament. Yes. They sold those rights to ESPN, but they did not have – those early football season rights. Oh. So basically, what they've been doing the last few years after they made that uh, sale of the US Open to ESPN, they've been kind of purchasing games so that they can put it on their network. And apparently, the inventory that was offered and the price that was asked were uh, they did not uh, find a, uh, a happy medium there. So CBS will not begin. The network will not begin telecasting college football until the 14th when South Carolina and Alabama clash. I see. Uh, we'll have a preview show there in the studio in New York City on the 7th. But until then, I'm part of CBS Sports Network. I'll leave tomorrow to get there for a Tuesday show inside college football, which I uh, I tell everybody to watch. It's two hours of great talk on the sport of college football and what to look forward to what to to make of the previous week and so forth some great guys on there brian jones randy cross an old uh Mm -hmm. san francisco 49er pro bowler uh aaron taylor adam zucker uh so we have a good time uh talking college football and then uh, so i'll be on part of that and then i get to go uh mitch and be part of the wyoming hosting missouri game next uh Saturday night in Laramie, which I'm really looking forward to because Kelly Bryant, as you recall, was the old quarterback for Clemson, will debut as a Missouri Tiger uh, in Laramie, Wyoming. So very much uh, excited about the game.
0: Yeah, the guy who can't beat Syracuse, right? That's the quarterback who... uh, That's the
3: guy, (laughs) the guy who Syracuse derailed. That's right. Uh, He was the early exit in the Syracuse game. That's exactly right. All right. So Rick, so when
0: you do these games... You don't bring your guitar up into the. You, is there a t- is there time between plays while the call, call is being made in the uh, in the huddle for you to break out into song? Is 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 there a chance to do that during these telecasts?
3: You know, I had hoped that size was the only issue. I had hoped that that was the case, but when we had this opportunity in Hawaii, I said I can bring a ukulele because uh, it's not difficult to transition to that particular uh. instrument and. That would not be a size issue, but unfortunately, when they said no to that request uh, or offer, I realize it may not be size at all. It may just be that uh, they're trying to protect uh, maybe the younger audience's ears from such a uh, dramatic impact that uh, my singing might have. But but uh, be that as it may, I still uh, have guitars and I still uh, love to pluck it as often as I can.
0: Okay, before I ask you college football questions, maybe even an Andrew Luck question, one last New Heisel question. You you won the A. You were the you were as far as in my eyes you were the coach of the year in the AAF. In fact, you were the coach of the year before the AAF even started. I had already anointed you coach (laughs) of the year. Very kind.
4: Uh,
0: Are we are, are we at a point where the itch has been scratched? Or is there one more? Do we have one? I know you're doing all this great work for CBS, and you're going to share some of your time with Mitch Unfiltered and do all these other stations. Is there? Do you have, I mean, you're still a young guy, older than me, but young. Do you have one last go in you? One more time.
3: Can you do it? I believe that I do, but uh, I'm also very content, uh, especially with this last little foray. Uh, it was pleasing to be a part of a team that I enjoyed as much as I enjoyed the hot shots. It was pleasing to, to have called plays and to have been my own offensive coordinator. That was something I hadn't done in my coaching career. Certainly I'd called a number of plays, but I was responsible for the offense in this particular go round and to have done that and have done it in my own mind successfully was,
7: was rewarding.
3: Yeah. I, just to be purely honest about it was rewarding and, didn't matter how many people watched or, or any of that stuff. It just was, I felt good about my performance. And I felt great about the team that we built. So I'm very comfortable if that was the, finals, uh, the final straw on the coaching career. Uh, but I still think, and I, I know a number of the guys that were on the coaching staff still think we got a lot of gas in the tank because we had such a blast doing it. Mm.
0: I want to see you out there one more time. I'm secretly oh, your rooting time. for you. One, we'll more see. Time. We'll
3: see what happens. Yeah. You, you never know. It, it'll, it'll probably be something strange that would happen to to create that opportunity. But but that's okay. I I, I really love uh, being a part of college football in the way that I find myself now. Yeah. You know, talking about it on the radio. Yeah. Uh, talking about it uh, from the booth, as I got a chance to do last night in Hawaii, and also uh, being in the studio. It's it's uh, it's a great sport. It has uh, great stories and. Uh I get excited this time of year uh, to to bring those stories to folks who are interested.
0: The voice of an old friend who's been very good to me over the years named Rick Neuheisel presented by Fireside Home Solutions. You were at some point in the stadium on Saturday night calling Hawaii and Arizona and news started to circulate that a 29-year-old star quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts has decided no Moss kind of pulled a Roberto Duran and said, my body has just not cooperated. I'm feeling burned out. I'm feeling sad. I'm not enjoying life. I'm starting to resent football, and it's time for me to remove myself from this. Now, you are a guy who played it, a guy who coached it. I don't think a guy like me sitting in front of a microphone can purely understand what these guys go through, A lot of Colts fans were not happy with the timing of the decision, but it was for me, Rick, it was as startling a story as I can ever remember, at least in the years that I've been in front of a mic. I I never saw this coming and boy to watch a 29 year old break down and in front of a microphone and walk away. That's a tough, that's a tough thing. What, What were your, what were your thoughts when you heard about Andrew Locke?
3: As an isolated story, I'm with you. I, it, it's, it's sad. It's shocking uh, because here's a guy that we all thought of in his prime, right? Obviously, he'd had some nagging injuries, but he'll get over those. And he'll be like Drew Brees. He'll be like Tom Brady. He'll play into his 40s. He'll, make, uh, he, he'll become immensely wealthy. And, and goodness gracious, we're going to get treated to some great football because we've been treated to great football when we watched Andrew Luck before. But I think if we look at it from the thirty thousand foot level, a little bit more macro, I think it's a refreshing story because I think th- this is a very taxing game, very taxing, and I think he was also being taxed by all these reports that he'll be ready, he'll be fine, mm-hmm. he'll be, you know, he'll be ready in yeah. week one. Yeah. Where you know we've got all this uh, hope that because of the pressure for him to play uh, and to be that guy. On the Colt uh, offense. I think he sat there and said, My body is not responding. I mean, this is a guy who went to Europe for, you know, blood spinning treatments and all the different. I mean, he tried every science there is to get well. And it, his body wasn't right. And here's a guy who went to Stanford and knows a bunch of guys who are making a lot of money doing something other than football and realizes, I have a lot to offer. I've played, I've done it, I've proven I can do this. I don't need to go out and, and, uh, get myself beat up anymore, especially given the pressure that I'm feeling to be that guy, uh, and the, and the way my body is feeling at the time. And I think as a message to others out there, that there's other ways to, to be uh, very productive as an adult, I think that's a good thing, because I don't think, I think there are a lot of people that just hang on because they feel like they have to hang on, whether it's mm-hmm. to, for themselves or for their and their own prestige or for their families. I think they need to realize you can make a living doing something else. And uh, so I, I hope that is maybe not the, the the number one talking point as we speak today, given the shocking nature of a guy at 29 stepping away and given the magnitude of his career thus far. But uh, hopefully that'll be the lingering effect that, hey, you know what? You don't have to play forever. Mm-hmm. Remember Calvin Johnson, the, the yeah. great Megatron, yeah. the wide receiver for the Lions yeah. stepping away. Yeah. That, that to me, we need to – this 14-year this career, and, and I know Tom Brady and Drew Brees are you know, racing against time right now and good for them. I think you need to be real careful given the physical toll that this game takes on a body – uh, about how much you ask of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I think Andrew Luck's a perfect
2: example of that.
0: Well said. Uh, dropping down to the conference where he played his college ball, Jacob Eason was named the starter finally at the University of Washington. I am a, I'm a lovable or not so lovable skeptic. And I I kind of have chuckled from the silence. I don't know. Look, I don't know what Chris Peterson said to Jacob Eason, but here's what I do know. He was the number one, high school quarterback in the country. He went to Georgia where he, I believe, started as a true freshman. He threw his name into the transfer portal, could have gone to a lot of different places. I, I'm not sure that he came back to the University of Washington and was willing to sit out a year without, I, I don't want to say being guaranteed. I, I don't know what Peterson said to him. I just felt like the Jacob Easton was going to be the starter all along. Am I being too cynical? Am I being too skeptical? Or was that necessarily the case?
7: I,
3: I think you're being too cynical. I okay. think we've seen enough proof from uh, Chris Peterson over the years that he's not going to to uh, make any promises to people. The the fact that he let go Marcus Peters not so long ago, yeah. uh, who's, who became an all-pro safety or an all-pro corner mm-hmm. for the Kansas City Chiefs before being dealt to the L.A. Rams – the fact that he let him go in the middle of a season rather than finding common ground or suspending him for a week, given his, uh, his uh, misdeeds. I, I, I think he's truly religious to the mantra, OKG, OK, our kind of guy. And so when, when Peterson, or excuse me, when uh, Jacob uh, Eason comes back from Georgia to Washington, I think it was on Jacob Eason to become what, Chris Peterson and that offense wanted him to be, which is a guy within the system that was going to to uh, be the quarterback that that system requires. Uh, some would call that a manager, but uh, but ultimately somebody that would come in and get comfortable as Kellen Moore did at Boise State, Jared Zabrensky and 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 uh, more recently Jake Browning, mm-hmm. be comfortable in that and hopefully have the pieces around you know, that offense hasn't been nearly as prolific since John Ross graduated, right? So they need to get those pieces around it. But once those pieces are in place, that offense has proven over time that they can be wildly efficient. So I think Eason won the job. And I'll tell you, I have a little bit more information for you because I was at the uh, Pac-12 media day Uh and I actually found myself in an elevator with Chris Peterson, just the two of us. Uh And I flat asked Chris, I said, is Eason going to come more to you meaning having to, to hone his skill and become the manager of the offense, or are you going to kind of try to utilize some of that gunslinger, you know, Brett Farvish type of skill that we saw uh, displayed at Georgia? He said, you know, he's going to have to learn how to play like we do. But And then he was quick to say, but I'm not sure he's winning the job. This Jake Hayner is really good. And I'll tell you, while he's not going to beg Hayner to stay – he's going to be disappointed that Jake Hayner has decided to transfer.
0: No Pac-12 team, by the way, Rick, in either top 10 of the polls. None. Zero. It's probably been a long time since we could say that.
3: I've been – looking at this uh, for some time now as to what, what happened to the Pac-12. And I and I believe these things are cyclical. Mitch, it wasn't so long ago we were saying this about the Big Ten until Urban Meyer took the Ohio State job, right? Uh, and they found a way into the college football playoff in its, in its uh, first year, coming from the sixth seed to the fourth seed with a 59-0 drubbing of Wisconsin on that final weekend. Um it wasn't so long that we were saying it about the big 12 when the big 12 had 14 guys drafted, right? And Now Oklahoma has had two straight Heisman trophy quarterbacks and first guys taking the NFL drafts and, and Texas rebounded with a double digit win total last year. So everybody's happy with the big 12. It will, the Pac 12 will get back, but what, but what has to happen and what, and I can give you a little bit of the root of the problem. What has to happen is we have to get bigger and we have to get stronger in the trenches. Last night was evidence, again, of not being not being physical enough defensively. Uh, Arizona played Hawaii. Hawaii was gifted offensively. They've got a proven system in the run and shoot. But Arizona had no answers in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback. They just aren't big enough. Kevin Sumlin, who comes from the SEC, knows what those guys look like. I promise you he'll continue to recruit and get bigger defensively for Arizona so they don't have to continue to suffer and give up over 500 yards of offense as they did last night. Mm. Mel Tucker, who comes to Colorado from Georgia, having been the defensive coordinator there, uh, having been at Alabama prior to going to Georgia with Kirby Smart, will know he's got to get bigger and get more physical in the defensive front. Uh, Those things, I think, are going to happen. You're seeing it at Oregon, right? You're seeing it at Oregon with a a very – much deeper offensive line, uh, and and with a guy who was the former uh, offensive line coach at Alabama. So I, I think you're you're, you're going to see some of that influence change. If you go back to 2012, Mike Leach joined the conference. He's throw it every down type of guy. You had uh, a Jim moore take the UCLA job. He hired Noel mazzoni who was up tempo. You know, let's go fast. Let's go fast. Rich Rodriguez got the Arizona job. Let's go fast. Let's go fast. The faster you go, usually the, the, the smaller you get. And that to me was a tipping point for the league, having a way to go that didn't match up with the behemoths of college football. And at the same time, the college football playoff happening, those behemoths have been regulars, Alabama five for five, Clemson four for five. Uh, Add to that, that the PAC 12 was playing a nine game conference schedule. It's interesting uh, that the, the Big Ten, who's missed the last two uh, college football playoffs, those are the two years they went to nine conference games. Huh. So to me, this will swing back, but they're, they're, there's a realization that uh, the games are still won in the trenches.
0: Rick Neuheisel, we'll finish up with Rick, uh, brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. Uh, football season equals fireplace season at uh, firesidehomesolutions.com. Finish up with this. Give me your four playoff teams and your Heisman trophy winner and in so doing, can the country take another Alabama Clemson? Are we are we have we O D'd on Alabama versus Clemson if we have to watch that all over again? And then is it is it Trevor Lawrence? Is it uh, Jalen Hurts? Is it Tua? Is it Justin Fields? Who's the Heisman Trophy winner this year?
3: Well, uh, you, you kind of answered my question for me, and I hate to uh, be the status quo guy, but uh, the, the way this thing is unfolding and the, the defensive line talent, the the amassing of defensive line talent at both Clemson and Alabama, are leading us right down the, the lane towards a rematch. Absolutely. Uh, uh. And you have gifted, gifted quarterbacks. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tagovailoa; Those guys are fantastic players. And go with those guys, the, the gifted receivers. I mean, it's Justin Ross and T. Higgins and Amari Rogers at Clemson. It's uh, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and uh, Jalen Waddell at uh, alabama all those guys every name that i just mentioned will be an nfl player and i would go as far as to say probably an nfl star they're that gifted that those 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 receivers those quarterbacks are the real deal i'm going to throw oklahoma in there i think jalen hurts makes it to new york uh it won't be the same way that baker mayfield or kyler murray did it'll be more with his legs but it's interesting, as you look at Oklahoma and this run that they're on, they've had four straight Big 12 titles. Uh, and what Lincoln Riley does, everybody thinks about passing. But, uh, you know, Kyler Murray was, was 1,000 yard back last year. Jalen Hurts was 26-2 and two, uh, as a starter. His legs in an offense that last year in Big 12 play averaged seven yards a carry are going to make it really difficult for, de- for defenses to stop these guys. Add to that, their probably closest competitor in the Big 12 being Texas got decimated by graduation. So I think Jalen Hurts and, and Oklahoma are in the final four. The fourth team, I'm going to go with Chris Peterson. I think they find a way. Uh,
0: you're sucking up. And
3: I'm not trying to be a homer. I, I think Jimmy Lake and company, Pete Krakowski, those guys have done such an amazing job over the years of – absolutely identifying the talent they want defensively. Uh, it's, it's uncanny. If you would have looked at the guys who just got drafted last year as graduates out of high school, you would have said, good for them, nice player. But they've come down and become you know, NFL guys. And I think uh, the cachet that that carries in home, so I think people, I want to go and be a part of that. I think Washington, with their schedule, they've got uh, Oregon at home. They've got uh, USC at home. I think uh, Utah is going to be really, really tough. But I think Chris Peterson's experience in those type of games, I think uh, the Huskies can be part of this. And and I think think if Oregon beats Auburn, and I'm guessing that they will, as Bo Nix, the quarterback, will be a true freshman. If Oregon can beat Auburn, then Washington will inherit that win when they get the ducks in uh, Seattle, so uh, I'm, I'm not being a homer. I truly believe they've got a chance to be that fourth team. But they can't lose more than one, right? That's right. They've got to be a 12 and one conference champion. Okay. Which would be the case with every uh, Pac-12 team. That would be Utah's situation. That would okay. be Oregon's situation. Okay. And those are the three teams that from the Pac-12 that I think have that uh, chance.
0: Great to hear your voice, my friend. Uh, very, very nice to have you back on the show. I hope that you'll be a regular here during the college football season. We'll be watching on the CBS television or cable network with you during game action until uh, the CBS SEC package comes alive in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks so, very much for being back
3: on Mitch Unfiltered. Mitch, always a pleasure, and uh, I'll look forward to the next time, my friend.
0: God, it's great to hear the voice of Rick Neuheisel again. You know, college football season is here when you hear on Mitch Unfiltered the voice of former Colorado Buffalo head coach, former Washington Husky head coach, former UCLA Bruins head coach, former AAF football head coach. Rick Neuheisel, as a thank you to loyal customers, Daniel's Broiler has launched a new rewards program that can easily be managed from its own app. Here are the details. You can download the app at either the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. All you have to do is search Daniel's Broiler for the app. You can join Daniel's new rewards program for free. When you download the app, you can register to receive 100 free reward points to start. For every $500 you spend at any Daniels, members receive a $20 reward. For every $2,500 spent, reward members receive a $20 prime reward in addition to the normal reward. So the rewards program has a simple goal, to thank and reward every loyal Daniel's guests and through August Daniel's is offering double points at the downtown location so sign up at Apple or Google today locally owned by the Schwartz family located at South Lake Union Leshy Marina Bellevue Place and now the new downtown Hyatt Regency serving breakfast lunch and dinner seven days a week Daniel's broiler world-class steakhouses unfiltered I find our next guest very, very interesting. I think his whole story is interesting. You probably won't know him by name unless you're a Philadelphia Phillies fan, a UVA baseball fan, or maybe, I don't know, a rotisserie baseball geek He's 6'8", 240-pound former Major League pitcher Michael Schwimmer who joins us on the uh, Zeke's Pizza hotline. Michael, thanks for being with us.
7: Thanks for having me, and I appreciate that generous introduction. You probably don't know me unless you follow really bad middle relievers in baseball. So if you don't follow those, you probably haven't heard of me. The first question is,
0: did you play at UVA with our buddy Danny Holson uh, that was drafted by the Mariners? uh,
7: not only that, I uh, the high school we were a rival high school, so I've known Danny for a long time. Just a A plus kid. I mean, feel so bad for all the injuries that that happened in his career, but but awesome guy. Could have been a great great pitcher, great left handed pitcher, huh? Absolutely. I mean, he had he had all the tools. I mean, fastball, slider, changeup, and the command he had. Yeah. That was by far his biggest asset. And really again really sad to see all the injuries but he's still he's still trying still making a comeback still on his trying. Life. i think yeah. after four surgeries deep now yeah but yeah you gotta give him all the credit in the world all right so the question
0: is by our listeners uh, why are we having michael schwimmer a former big league middle reliever for the philadelphia phillies who has described himself as having below average stuff why are we having him on the podcast well it's what he's done after baseball that I find really, really interesting and in what you're doing now. First of all, before we get there, let's keep him in suspense a little bit, Michael, and tell him uh, how, do, how does a guy with, as you say, below-average stuff get to the big leagues and approach the art of pitching, approach the way you went about your business facing big league hitters?
7: Yeah, well, yeah, I was a 14th-round draft pick. My signing bonus was $5,000, so I wasn't exactly expected to succeed. And right when I got to pro ball – I just saw the stuff all around. I mean, these guys, we're I mean, throwing 95, 100 miles an hour, and I, you know, I, I can get up to 92, maybe 93. My command wasn't that great. I knew I had to find something uh, that to give me a sort of an edge, and and that something was modeling and my ability to dissect hitters from a mathematical standpoint. And what I did is I took what I learned at UVA and I started creating these model, these pitch sequencing models mm-hmm. to get hitters out. Hitters are very pattern-oriented, and they're creatures of habit, creatures of nature. And what I was able to do is figure out by their body position, their stance, their body momentum, their leaning, how they take pitches, and the film that I was able to receive and then judge my pitching and the pitch, the pitches I was going to throw you know, based off that model. You know, people always ask me, what's your best pitch? And I would always say, the pitch the hitter doesn't want to see because none of my pitches were above average. But uh-huh. I did throw four pitches. And I could throw them all for strikes. They might not be on the corner as much as I wanted them to be, yeah. but I could throw them all for strikes. And so if I could throw what the hitter, didn't want to see, I'd have a pretty good chance. And, you know, strikeouts were, the, were my calling card. I was something about 13 or 14 strikeouts per nine in the minor leagues and more than one per per nine in the, in the major leagues. So... Uh, That's that the only reason it got me to the major leagues, in my opinion.
0: Did you leave that algorithm for others, or are other pitchers, other teams using that uh, statistical formula today, Michael? Well, it,
7: it's, you got to understand this is unique to me oh, and my okay. pitch style. Okay, right? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you brought up Danny Holton. You know, he doesn't throw the same pitches that I throw from the I same see. location. So it's very it's tailored to me and how hitters, um, you know, would approach me. Okay.
0: So baseball career ends for the u- f- former University of Virginia statistics major. Uh, baseball ends, and now it's time to decide what you're going to do with your life. Walk me through what was next after after baseball.
7: Well, I tore my labrum, and it, there's a year's worth of rehab, uh, the rehab process there. And you only do that two hours a day. And that's when I was thinking, well, I don't know if my shoulder's going to come back or not, so i got to have a plan B. And that's when I always thought of being in the minor leagues, of building this uh, statistical company or whatever it was, to be able to value, put valuations on minor league players um, and do something with that. And so that's what I did. I spent uh, about 14 to 16 hours a day building these models. It took me over a year of my life to evaluate over 28,000 minor league seasons to figure out what actually matters in major league success. What are you doing in the minor leagues that can predict major league success? And I ended up building a investment company around that model.
0: And it was called Big League Advance. You raised $26 million. And explain how you made money, how you invested in these younger players.
7: Sure. So the $26 million was our first fund. Our second fund, we raised $130 million. And the concept is obviously the same. We are investing in minor league players. So minor league players, there's 7,000 of them, less than 10% 10% will play one day in the major leagues. Less than 3% will play uh, – will make millions of dollars in the major leagues. And so um, I thought I could identify these players and the modeling could identify these players and we would invest in them, and the deal would work as, as such. A player would receive money up front in exchange for a future share of their major league earnings. This is not a loan. So the player doesn't make it, they fall in that 90% category, they keep all the money – um, even if they play three or four years in the big leagues, that's just about breaking even with our average offer being in the $400,000 range. And then uh, obviously if they blow up and become a great player, then we would uh, participate in their success. So if they made, you know, $500 million, we might get, you know, 400, we might get 25 million of that if we did a deal with for 5% and players are allowed to choose whatever equity they want to give up. We'll offer as low as 1%. So we might say, you know, 50,000, every 1%. Up to five hundred thousand per ten, and they'll have to tick around that scale. So, how many takers
0: do you have? How, how many people? How many ball players are, are are invested in the company? And is it too early yet to, f- to to find out whether there's a you know there's a big hit in there or two or three?
7: We have uh, one hundred and seventy nine players that we've signed up in both funds. Our first fund, as you mentioned, was twenty six million dollars. Uh, of that, we had seventy seven players that we invested twenty six million dollars in. Of that, and yet also keep in mind, we're not signing first-round picks, right? Um, these are these players that we're signing are way deep down uh, the prospect ranking list, more of your, more like me, like a 14th round pick. Let's put it this way: over 75 percent of the players we signed in that first fund were outside the top 300 prospects wow. when we signed them. So that's again our model being able to identify these players at a at a very early age. So you're
0: buying a piece of of them which one or two or don't you give out names would you tell us, okay, here's a guy that we invested in that has a chance for one of those big contracts to, to pay off for us?
7: Well, you know, we have confidentiality provisions in okay. our contract, okay. And, okay. and that's for the, the players want that. But a couple of players have said, look, I don't care because what you're doing is great, and I want to tell the world. Um, and uh, fortunately, one of our best players, Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, did come out publicly and, and say and endorse us and say he has done, he did a deal with us when he was in the minor leagues. Um Jose Osuna with the Pittsburgh Pirates also came out. Uh, Francisco Mejia again another player, a young player on the Padres. Those are those are three um, examples there. Okay. so the name
0: of the uh, the voice that you hear is Michael Schwimmer, former major league pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, UVA, really smart guy, majored in statistics, set up this fund, set up this company to invest in low level minor leaguers on the come. And then you decide to transition. I mean, that wasn't enough. You could have stopped right there. Right, Michael? But. You, you've decided to dip your toe. Where's the fun in that? <laughs> you, decide, <laughs> you decided to dip your toe, your statistical, very smart toe, in a very, I don't want to call it a dirty pool, but let's say a an uneven pool that has sometimes a bad reputation. Tell our listeners what you decided to do next.
7: You can call a spade a spade. Dirty pool is very fair. Okay. Very dirty pool okay. what we're getting into now. Now, the goal is to cleanse it. Okay. We're trying to We're trying to revolutionize the industry. So what we're doing, let me take you back a little bit. So the management fee and all the money that we were receiving from our fund, I wanted to create the world's best sports analytic uh, company and team. And so the two partners I had in this were Paul D. Podesta. who, uh, for yeah. those of you who don't know yeah. of, your, of your listeners, he was the Moneyball guy. He was a Jonah Hill character in the movie and the main character, obviously, in the book. Um, and Sam Hinkie got did the process with the 76ers. Sure. And those guys have, have always uh, you know, been great friends to me. And I said, look, I want to build this team. Who do we know? So I started cherry picking guys across all sports, these young, extremely talented uh, data statisticians and data engineers, people way smarter than me. I mean, way, way, way smarter than me on the modeling side. So we got a guy like the young guy from the Dodgers. We got a director in the NBA League office, the Charlotte Hornets. We assembled this dream team of data analysts, and we said, hey, guys, all right, we got this great group. I don't know exactly how we're going to make money, but let's try to figure something out. And after they brought to me about 14 different ideas, from buying and selling horses to, you know, opening up a golf fund, what we thought of is, look, we can – the best thing that we can do is predict outcomes of games, right? And we thought initially that might help us – with teams, right? Like if we can say, Hey, the Seattle Mariners have a 44% chance to win this game. But if you switch the lineup or throw these pitches or shift like this against these hitters, that might be a 52% chance to win the game. Right. 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 Um, Unfortunately, what we found was teams are not willing to pay for this type of service and so, yeah, so not interested in paying the service. We said, you know what? We got to prove this. The best way to prove this is against Vegas, right? Against the market line, the sports betting line. That's a scorecard. If we can beat that line, we can prove that we are the best in predicting outcomes of games. So we did it first in college basketball. That was just the reason for that is just the next sport up. Um, and we, Spent many, many months modeling that out and eventually had incredible, incredible results. We started, our models went live on December the 8th. We had 1,476 plays. We were picking at 59% against the spread. And that, that record is, you know, never been topped, at least in my knowledge, uh, from a public standpoint and a uh, verifiable pick record standpoint. We do it in baseball as well. And so what we said is, People need to know about this. We gave it out for free to everybody, Mm -hmm. for free for eight months, so everyone could see our system. Um, In addition, I went, you know, after I saw this was like working out really well. I said, "This is great. We're going to make a billion dollars here. I'm going to go to Vegas and, you know, we'll raise a fund. I'll be betting millions of dollars on games, and we're going to be we're going to be rich." Right. And so I went to Vegas. And it just wasn't the case. After 16 days, I was shut out of every single book there. I didn't even realize casinos could do that to you, but they do. They limit winning bettors to the posted limits, which in most places is $300. So I was betting tens of thousands of dollars a game. Started winning, they shut me down. I was like, "Well, that's not really fair," but that's how it is. And so that's when I thought, you know what? I can't bet $300,000 a game, but a thousand people can bet $300 a game. They can't stop that. Right. And that's when we go into that. Very dirty industry, that tout industry, and I started looking into that. Um, looking into that tout industry. And when, when you find there, you said it right. This is a dirty industry. It's not transparent. These people are trying to essentially steal money, in my opinion, from, from people, and they do a good job at it. There's an estimated over $100 million uh, worth of people paying for these subscription services that they're not transparent, they're not accountable, they lie about their records. They post bad lines. It's just all bad in all different areas. And I said, you know what? I want to disrupt this industry. I want to change it. I want to create a subscription service that is two things. One, fully transparent. And two, and most importantly, financially accountable for its pick recommendations. And by that, I mean, right now, touts. If, if you buy a service from a tout uh, and a pick's lose, you know what they say? They say, oh, uh, keep buying our package next week. We'll win again. Yeah. Well, I think that's B.S. Total BS. So I say, look, if we lose, I don't want to lose money. It's not fair that we get out losing picks and we do not suffer as well. And so uh, if you don't mind, I'll get right in, right into our 17 week package here, which covers the entire, covers our entire NFL season. It's $3 a pick, which is super, super cheap in the town space, but it is a thousand picks. The total cost is $3,000, which is extremely expensive in the town space. But, If our picks, if you are not profitable betting our picks, if our picks aren't profitable on a unit basis, we're going to give you $10,000 back. That's how confident we are in our model. So every pick counts as one unit. And so on a minus 110 bet, you're betting the Seahawks, and you want to bet, and you win, you win one unit. If you lose, you lose 1.1 because that's how Vegas wins the juice. And at the end of those 1,000-plus picks, if we're at a plus unit betting every bet that you made, right, you're making if you at the same amount, you're making money. You're guaranteed to be profitable. If we're negative units, that means you bet the same amount. You're going to lose money. That's the scenario where we give you ten thousand dollars back.
0: Explain this to me. If I'm if I'm a if I'm into your service, and, and I'm a subscriber, and I decide to do this, I have to bet on every game, don't I? Have to bet on every game that you give us, every recommendation that you give us for it to be. For it to be a guarantee for me to to make the money or earn the ten thousand dollars back, is that right? Well, you can
7: do whatever you want as a subscriber, right? You, we're not we don't know what you bet or what you don't bet, but the right way to use the system is to do exactly that, okay? And we're recommending three hundred dollars bet per game because that's the highest supposed limit. I want to make this very clear. If you're somebody that's betting ten, twenty, you know, even as much as fifty bucks a game, this service is not for you. I don't want you to sign up. Because it's unlikely that you're both going to beat the market and then cover our fee, right? Like even right, if you're right, up ten units betting right. fifty bucks a game, right. that's five hundred bucks. Right. So you're not going to cover the three thousand. Right. So you got it. This is for people that want to bet three hundred bucks a game um, as the recommended amount, and we're recommending betting uh, every single one of our recommendations. We timestamp stamp our picks so you know exactly when. You, with the, with the book, we use the market consensus line. You can check it to make sure the lines are exactly the same and every pick is one unit. So we're not like other talents. We'll go four and eight. And we'll say, Oh, this one's worth 10 units. Right. Right. So that's our system. And that's what we do now. Also, I should stress, it gives you an opportunity to short us. Meaning if you think, you know what, there's no way you have a system that can beat Vegas. Nobody can beat them. You're the number one person that should subscribe. Right. Right. Because if you're right, you get 10,000 bucks. If not, you lose 3000. You don't bet a single game. Right. And so um, it, it gives the opportunity for anyone, even the skeptic. If you're the biggest skeptic, you're the number one person that should tie it. Um, and if you're with us, you got to make sure you have enough bankroll uh, to bet the right way. We have a units calculator on our website. So you say, I want to bet 100 bucks a game or 50 bucks a game. You type it in, and it tells you how we're going to do. Um, you know, if we're up this many units, this is your dollars you're going to be up. If we're down, this is the amount you're going to be up as well. And so I strongly recommend everyone go to jambuspicks.com and look at the units calculator, yeah. type in how much you want to bet on a game and see if it's right for you or not.
0: J-A-M-B-O-S-PICKS, P-I-C-K-S-PICKS. .com I guess what I still don't understand maybe the mathematics is over my head. If I if I subscribe uh-huh. to your service and I pay you $3000 and you start throwing these yep. football picks at me every every single week and there's a ton of them and I don't play them all, how do I prove to you if I'm a loser at the end of the year? How do I prove to you that I've lost and that I'm I'm deserving of the $10,000 back? I guess I don't get that part of it.
7: Great question. It's all about our record. So we, it's, it's our record is going to be up or down units. So we're going to put out 50 picks, right? Each right. pick, we're either plus one unit or down 1.1, 1. 1, assuming it's a minus 110 bet. So you might choose to only pick 20 of them. That's, your, that's on you, right. Right? right? Now, there's a scenario where we could be down units and you just cherry pick the right ones and you're actually up. You would still get the money back because right. the money back is based on our record, right? not how you do. So it's based on our record and the units that we're up. Or if we're down units, you get $10,000. So if you don't put in the plays, that's on you. I see. Again, you you, you don't have to put in them all. Yeah, so again, I want to make it very clear. The payback is based off of – our unit's record, not what you're doing as an individual better.
0: And when you say how many picks a week during
7: the 17-week footballs, is are they all NFL or are they some of them college football? No, teams? no, no, no. no. Yeah. yeah, college football, NFL, MLB, and NCAA basketball right now. But the team, we've got 25 full-time people working on all these other sports. So when they come available, they'll be part of the package uh, – as well so it's, it's all encompassing it's all sports you can check it out right now actually i think everybody should register because we do have free pick thursday you don't have to buy a package at all. Right. and worst case is you get all our all picks on thursday um and you can see also all our record we post every single game we ever put out is on there and recommendations so you can see it and right after games then we post it so you can see on sunday oh i didn't buy the package but this is what we were on all
0: right last uh, as well last so, last question for me uh, Michael Schrimmer is our guest, the former big league pitcher of the Philadelphia Phillies. He's now dipped his toe in what we call a dirty pool of the tout service, and he's essentially guaranteeing that his service over the long haul is going to be better than, what does it have to be, 52.5%, something like that,
7: 53%? 52.38%, 11 divided by 21. Okay. His his That's service, the they're, the they're essentially, J-
0: Jambos Picks is essentially guaranteeing that their service over the long haul is going to be over the, the 52.4% of you're going to make money, and they're staking money to it. If you don't, if they're not, I should say not you, if they're not, then they'll give you $10,000 back on your initial $3,000 investment. I guess my last question is, aren't wagers in football based on the lines? And what if you say at Jambo's Picks, here's our here's our recommendation. Take the Lions minus six. And we can't get the Lions minus six. We look around all over the place and it's seven or it's seven and a half or six and a half or eight. And we can't find a place to take uh, our money at six. Then what? Then how do we calculate whether we won or lost or whether the pick was good?
7: It's a fantastic question. That's why we use the market consensus line. We send emails out between 11 a.m. Eastern. To make sure you West Coasters in Seattle be 8 a.m. your time. All the way through Um, until 9 a.m. Eastern time. And so you get an email. The second we release a pick, the email comes out. And so you need to go and get it at that line. We use the market consensus. So in theory, you should be able to get a better line half half the time. You you have the equal chance of getting a better line or a worse line. Um, But, you know, again, we're using a market consensus line uh, available. That's the best we could do, right? I mean, you can't – if you're going to use any book that you use, some people are gonna get a worse line, some people are gonna get a better line. So the best thing that we can do is judge our record off of the market consensus line and that's defined by BetChris, as um, the industry standard line there. And you can see all the line archives of BetCris by time. So we released a pick at eleven twenty six. Um, you can actually go back in the archives to make sure that line did exist at 1126 at that book. I see. Uh, so that's how we do it for the, for, for to be fully transparent. Ah, very good.
0: It's a, it's an incredible story and I like it very much. I wish you nothing but the most success possible in all of this. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting for, for some of us on the sidelines to watch and see how Jambos picks do. Jambospicks.com. Again, it's Michael Schwimmer, the former major league baseball player who's trying to add transparency and a account- accountability to the idea of the touting business as football season rolls along. All right, Michael, uh, can you tell us who's going to play in the Super Bowl before you go or not? <laughs> that I can't
7: do. I don't know. I'm not that good. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Our model absolutely loves the Cleveland Browns this year from That'd a player nice. level standpoint yeah. uh, and coaching standpoint. I know they're the hot team, but we think they're going to be even better uh, than most people think. And we like the Seahawks as well. We right. really like Russell Wilson and uh, and it's the way the team's built. So we'll see how that goes. Let's
0: check in with you as the football season uh, moves along, Michael. We'll see how Jambos Picks are doing. Jambospicks.com, Michael Schwimmer. Thanks for being on Mitch Unfiltered, Michael. Thank you. All righty. So who's got the cash and courage to take Michael Schwimmer up on his offer? Three grand, for a thousand picks over the next 17 weeks, that swimmer, the former Philadelphia Phillies reliever, guarantees will have winning results, or he'll give you ten grand back on your three thousand dollar investment. Unbelievable! I'm just thrilled to have a new partner for the football season. Fireside Home Solutions. I played Aldera on Friday with John and his senior-to-be golfer son Nathan on the Rogers High School team in Puyallup. Great family. Fireside Home Solutions with six showrooms from Seattle down to Portland, making it possible for us to connect with the New Heisels and the Kings and the Hendersons, lock and fours of the world, and the list goes on and on. And football season, by the way, is also fireplace season. How many of you would love to either add a fireplace to your home or change out your crappy one for a new sleek model? I'm telling you, it's more affordable and efficient than you would expect at Fireside Home Solutions. Just let these guys come to your home for a free consultation. They'll help you understand what your options are, shapes, sizes. They'll come up with solutions, and it's not complicated. And then, stroll into one of their showrooms, old fireplaces waste a ton of energy, and Fireside Home Solutions really simplifies the process. They also do outdoor barbecue setups and garage doors. Fireside Home Solutions at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Unfiltered. (laughs)
1: Episode <laughs>
0: three, two, one. All right, final episode Welcome of to 1993, uh,
1: everybody. Yes. Uh, final final segment
0: yes. of episode 54. By the way, for those of you that are enjoying our roundtable patron shows of the fantasy football league, uh, previews with all the sleepers, the the roundtable with all the national. Uh, fantasy football league experts. We've I done, listened to the first one. You did? Well, I the did. second one w- was out on Sunday, and the third one will be out on Wednesday. We'll preview all the, the different positions and get you ready for your fantasy football league draft if you're smart and you actually have a draft at the appropriate time. If you drafted like three months ago, sorry, these previews are not going to
1: help <laughs> you very much. Oh, hey, uh, check your email. I, I can't make it. Sorry about that. I wanted a table for fun. Catfish. Gonna, yeah,
0: that's right. I got a couple of knick-knacky items. Do you? I do. You want to go first? Sure.
1: Go ahead. You see the lightning strike at a golf tournament? Yeah, I did. It's hard for me to. Laugh. Why are you? La- why are I you laughing about it? That's
0: terrible. Getting hit by
1: lightning is like really rare. How how did multiple people get hurt by lightning? It's Mother Nature's way of saying stop watching golf. Everybody, come on. Oh come quit, on. Quit quit watching golf. Standing up there have, in a thunderstorm. Guys, people have died
0: on golf courses. All oh, right, people
1: died in cars too. I right? feel sorry for everyone who drives a car? You know,
0: somebody died. They, people died at U.S. Open golf tournaments. I, I remember at Hazeltine in Minneapolis many years ago. Lightning the, strikes. They, it changed the whole rule. I mean, they, you got to get people. It's a golf course is not a great place to be when it's an electric. When there's a carrying yeah. around a big bag of metal things, and yeah, well, you I'm probably t- want to. But not all the people in the in the in the gallery are bringing <laughs> right. are, are carrying around a big thing of metal things. <laughs> okay, they're standing under the, trees. Trees are not a good place. Yeah. But how, look, you've got 30,000 people out there. Yeah, where are they gonna go? How do you get them off the? You got to get yeah. them. Off, you got to be looking at Doppler radar.
1: You, you oh, gotta be calling
0: like Tracy Taylor or somebody she does traffic. Does she do weather? She doesn't uh, do weather. I think she probably does. You gotta, has, you gotta call like Megan Kelly. Who who is it? Who, who I don't, I don't who, uh, know. Stevenson, Rebecca Stevenson? Steve Poole, perhaps. Steve Yes. There you go. You gotta call Steve Poole. Yes. All right, that's your knickknack. How about this one? I got one for you. Russell Wilson and Sierra buy a piece of the Sounders, but that's not my knickknack. Okay. My knick is. Did you see what he said was as an explanation as to why? Well, you I know didn't. the story. So there's a there's like a bunch of owners for the Sounders that started, and there's a couple of Hollywood guys like Drew Carey. Drew Carey was been the involved for right. a while. Yeah. But there's also like a Hollywood producer. I can't remember his name, okay. and he he wanted out. That's where all these pe- these new owners are buying his gotcha. the guy's share. So there's like a bunch of new owners of which one one couple is is Russell. Did you hear what he said as the reason why he's buying the Sounders? I,
1: the, 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 <laughs> no, but I can't every
0: wait. Every once in a while, Russell Wilson says something, and I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> he is He's like a robot kind of, isn't he'll he? He'll say
0: something every once in, and you're <sighs> like, okay, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. He said the reason that he and CR, he wanted to make sure that they don't leave.
1: Were they planning on leaving? Like what? <laughs> The Sadders are the, are the most
0: successful soccer team in, in the in the league yeah. seattle embraces soccer they they, they fill up CenturyLink field sure they're yeah. not going anywhere yeah. well all of a sudden like i didn't realize that there's all of a sudden it's like the it's like schultz in the nba all of a sudden yeah. the sounders are leaving now yeah, right <laughs> I, sierra and i are big soccer fans i grew up a soccer fan and by the way we just wanted to make sure that they don't they don't leave well I'm like uh, I, have I missed something? What, yeah, no. Did I miss an article somewhere no, along the way? have Is there rumor and speculation that Drew Carey's saying, let's go, in the middle of the night, <laughs> right. they get the moving <laughs> vans and let's go? Price is wrong. What is jerks. he talking about? He's buying part of the Sounders because he doesn't want them to leave. He's what jumped, is he
1: talking about? He's jumped on that Sonic bandwagon. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah, it, I like it. And baseball in Portland.
0: Right, but he's, he's part of the group that's trying to bring baseball to Portland.
1: It almost feels a little pandering to Seattle fans. Oh, well, it is. Okay, but... So I think this is another way to pander, like, "Oh, hey, Sonic fans! I will never let what happened to you happen to oh, the team now that I'm part of it." I think it's. But that. you
0: gotta, you gotta deal with some level of reality, unless I've missed it. Maybe somebody right now is listening to this podcast, going, "Mitch, you didn't see the article <laughs> in the business in the New York Times? Sounders threatening to leave in the middle of the night and go to St. Paul? I mean, I, I, where are they go? Where exactly are they going to be embraced? Like, they're typically teams that move are not being." Right. There's a better deal somewhere else. Yeah. I don't – I mean, is, is Ken Baring
1: moving the uh, – <laughs> You remember him? <laughs> Ken, do I remember. I just brought him up. Uh, Ken Baring. How do you remember Ken Baring? You weren't here for that, were you? Were you yes, I, was, I was here. I was oh, here. Oh, wow. When he moved him overnight and got the trucks I and everything? I was here
0: when they built uh, – when Paul Allen stepped in and saved the team. Uh, I guess oh, – What do guess you think so. I was? Oh, I guess, What am I, 12? Yeah, I guess so. You're older right. than I As thought. That's my knickknack. I love that uh, Russell Wilson and Sierra are buying part of the Sounders – um, what are you talking about? Them
1: leaving? I mean, I, I don't know.
0: You got any other knickknacks? I got a couple others.
1: Yeah, I got one thing. Did you, uh, do you watch the Little League World Series? Do you care at all about that? Because I found myself really enjoying it. this I year. I like the Little League World
0: Series. I think it's. I like the Little League World Series. I have not seen as much this year. Um, I have a little story. I don't know if I should really say too much, but so my my youngest son, my youngest son who is now going to be fourteen this week, happy birthday! Uh, plays baseball all year round. He plays oh, wow. baseball. He, play, he plays select baseball and select basketball. And he plays on. He played on a team this year, where a number of the guys on their team also played. He didn't, also played. Do you know what the year after Little League, after the the Little League World Series in William Have you ever heard of intermediate baseball? So Little League continues after the ones that you see. Yeah, I, I played till I was fifteen. Okay, so yeah. you know this. Yeah, yeah. So there's. I don't know what they call it, majors, which yeah, is what senior you see majors in Williamsport. What you see in Williamsport is, is like majors. 12 U. Yep. Is like, okay. So then the following year, there's 13 U. And then there's 14 U. Okay. Now, a lot of players, baseball players, stop playing Little League and they only play select. They don't play Little League anymore after right. the famous one. So there's this intermediate the next year up. So the guys on his team, this is a long one, it's not even that interesting, but. Okay. The guys on his select team, many of which from this little community, from, from the Bellevue area, as part of the Bellevue Thunderbirds, mm-hmm. played inter- decided to play intermediate ball also. He didn't. And so there's eight or nine of them that are playing on the intermediate team. And they decided just to see what they could do. They won the district. <laughs> of course. They won the state. <laughs> oh, wow. Never lost a game. Double elimination. Never lost a game. Whoa! Went to Arizona in the re- Super Regionals. They beat, all right. They beat Oregon. They beat Arizona. They beat Hawaii, and they lost to Northern California. They were three and one in pool play, so then they got into the 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 the, the single elimination to go to the what they call the the, the version of the Little League World Series. Right. Now it's the Intermediate World Series, which also on ESPN. Yeah, yeah. The Intermediate World Series. So they were like a win or two away from. Uh, they lost. They got upset in the single elimination oh. by like. I don't know. I don't know what team a team I think they had already beaten, but uh, they were that close. So yes, the answer. This is a long-winded yeah, answer. Yeah. I we do watch it, we do follow it, we do like it. Yeah. Did
1: you play baseball when you were? I did. A kid I did. Yeah, I played. I never
0: never played on an all-star team. Never was good enough to play on an all-star team. So I never I never played. My brother, my the oldest brother Jay, who I talked about in the interview, he was a really good little league baseball player. He played on an all-star team that I believe did they win Florida? They either I think they played Georgia. I think it was in the southeast. This is a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. um, because he's much older. But he got his little league team got real far, got close, got much closer than uh, than I had ever seen. Before. Do you remember
1: going to his games? Like with your oh, whole family. Like
0: oh my god, we travel. Yeah, what a ride. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was great. Well, they, I think they ended up losing. We, we were from South Florida. I think they ended up going up to Jacksonville or something or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. I was
1: watching the games and a team from Japan lost uh, to Curacao yeah. in the semi. And they're just bawling and crying. And I'm well, thinking, that happens. But I'm thinking, man, they, they're not going to appreciate it now. But when they're 35, what what a ride these kids were on, right? Yeah. Coming from Japan, you make it yeah. to the Final Four. Like, Hell yeah. I just wanted to tell them, like, I got cut from my 12-year-old All-Star team, you know? Okay. And, and then the team that I would have been on went 0-2 and got knocked out, which kind of made me happy. I'm glad they, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they didn't go to the World Series, for God's sakes.
0: Is the founder of Jimmy
1: John's The Biggest Idiot? Or what? Have you been following this story? Tell me why he's an idiot. Yes, I've been following it for a while. Okay, so you're going to actually disagree with me. I Well, no, no, maybe I'll
0: agree with you. The picture of him cel- killing an elephant and then sitting on the elephant and, and laughing and carrying on, and that circulates on social media. Now, the whole world wants to boycott Jimmy John. So he, you're saying he's an idiot for posting that picture? I think he's an idiot on a lot of different levels. Okay, go a, on. A lot of different levels. Number one... Uh, and this is this is a this is i'm sure a debate for a lot of people the whole hunting thing killing an elephant come on really you get your jollies out of kill by the way an elephant is one of the most emotional the nicest creatures on the face intelligent. of the earth intelligent yeah. nice i mean is the elephant run does the elephant have any way of protecting himself is he using his speed no. to get away from the, the, the gunshot? I mean, killing an elephant, come on. Thing. Killing an elephant, for, that's the first thing. You got to be, I think you're an idiot if you're going out looking to kill elephants. If that's what it takes to get your jollies to kill elephants, you need to look in the mirror. That's the first reason he's an idiot. That's not the biggest reason he's an idiot. He owns a co- or he founded a company that relies on the country or the world, I don't know if Jimmy John's, to buy his sandwiches, right? It, he, he he's relying on his sandwiches and the consumer and the, the, the nation to support his business. How can he let that picture get out? Even if he's an idiot enough to kill elephants, which I think right there and then makes him an idiot. How does he smile, pose for a picture and not know, okay, this might not be a good thing for my business. This being on social media yeah. and Twitter, Probably not the right thing for my. How does he not? How does he? He not posted had, it right.
1: It's not like it least I think he did. I think he posted it. Well, he yeah. posed
0: for. It. He's smiling with his fingers <laughs> up. He's got a shit-eating grin. Yeah, sitting he's on the it. on the face of a dead elephant.
1: Bloody elephant. At
0: what point does a person who's got to have like the brains they were born with not say to themselves, "A, killing elephants is stupid," but B, pose this 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 shot right here. Hey, smile, Jimmy, Jimmy John, smile. <laughs> That at no point does he say to himself, "Okay, this might not be the best idea." This picture,
1: but if you're he someone... deserves
0: to lose his business just because he's an a dope. Yeah. you've got to be a dope. That's my thought. Because
1: you know you're going to offend a huge um, amount of you're people.
0: Gonna, yeah, yeah yeah. Why would you do anything? I mean, these I, I think he's got a pretty good thing going. You like a Jimmy John's sandwich? Oh, they, my pa- my kids I love rap. Jimmy John's. I
1: love it. They're the only ones that love. Oh, us you're rap. picky. <laughs> You're a picky eater. I don't hate the taste of bread. Ah, I don't see? hate the taste of see? bread. Okay, good. But I, I really battle with this, with this whole trophy hunting, because it's not the first animal he's killed and held up, you know, like a yeah. jaguar or a lion or something. Yeah. He loves it. He loves it. Don Jr., he's holding the tail of an elephant that, you know, they're out there. I, I really battle with, with this because I eat meat. I eat meat every day. So I, I think of it as who am I to get upset about this one animal this elephant, when I eat meat every day, animals are killed okay. every single day. It seems a little audacious. So, but. But I think it takes a special kind of person to pull a trigger on like a sleeping okay, lion can't you or an see elephant. The, I can't you do see it.
0: the difference between the business of killing animals for food and what have you? Of course, you, and trophy hunting. And a hunting. guy There's and a, a guy difference. spending his millions of dollars or whatever it is going going to a yeah. faraway place so that he can shoot an elephant. Trophy hunting Come is on. different than feeding your family. There's a huge I, I don't it's see different You shouldn't have this contradiction in you. You shouldn't I do. You, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. I'm going to sit and There's cry about a,
1: one elephant when I eat yeah, like 10 a week. Yeah. <laughs> 10 animals you a week. You yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> but
0: you, you're going to cry about a guy going with his rifles and going there and, and getting his jollies out of
1: shooting the slowest creature on the face of the earth. I, I'm not defending him. I could never do it. I could not pull the trigger. I've never been hunting at all. I couldn't do it, but it just feels tough for me yeah. to come down on him for yeah. this one animal. Okay. When animals are killed every day in this okay. country.
0: Are you aware of a Popeyes
1: versus Chick-fil-A fight feud? Do you I, know anything about this? I did see it. And then I, see, I think Boston Market got involved and, all, <laughs> and Arby's kicked in with something. and yeah.
0: Do you know anything about this? Like a chicken sandwich problem? Like Popeyes put a chicken sandwich on their... On their menu, and then it's sold out really quickly. Have you ever been to a Popeye's?
1: No, I haven't. Oh, I have. Good? Really good. I'm sure, yeah.
0: They're Be- very popular. Better, better than Chick-fil-A, but different than chick fil But like, like Popeye's, I look at Popeye's like, it's fried, fried, fried. It's Kentucky fried chicken. That that's. I don't think of Chick-fil-A. I, I would not have thought of Chick-fil-A as a competitor to Popeye's, even though they do. Ch- Chick-fil-A, I've only been to a couple times, never on Sundays. Um, uh, and, and I get the feeling Chick-fil-A is more of a, you know, you get a grilled chicken sandwich, you know, you get yeah. there's,
1: more there's, sandwiches instead of like, and,
0: but in more grilled and more, I mean, Popeye's is, you go to Popeye's, yeah. you don't get anything grilled. You got a Kentucky <laughs> right. fried chicken. You ain't getting, you're getting the batter. You're getting the batter that goes down and it goes right to the aorta and clogs it up. Oh. So you can't your
1: heart can't function do you want to hear a great fat guy move at kfc that i used to do A fat guy move yeah this yeah. this was my move when i'd go there yeah i'd get extra crispy they familiar with it they would have regular and then next yeah, very <laughs> very fruity. okay yes. and then i'd ask them this is
0: not nearly as bad as me saying ken bearing and then you saying
1: do you remember ken bearing that's <laughs> right i forgot how old you are but do you remember when they had barbecue chicken as well like barbecue sauce on it it was a while. Yeah. I don't think they have it anymore. No. I would get the extra crispy and then have them dunk it in the barbecue sauce and put it in the container. That was the best thing I've See, ever I, had I in my never, life. I would never do that.
0: Well, you're picky. Because, because I. Thing. No, it's not because I don't like barbecue sauce. <laughs> okay, fine. It's because I think the if I'm ever going to eat the battered crispy fried chicken, which I love, mm-hmm. I think Popeyes is better than Kentucky fried chicken. Sorry uh, if the Colonel's listening. Um,
1: <laughs> it's your boy Gaffigan. But if I'm, but, yeah, Gaffigan. Saw so him the other night. Uh if if I'm you, gonna, you like if, the crispiness, yeah. yeah the, the crunch is the best part. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: And what the barbecue sauce does—I mean, I like barbecue sauce, yeah. but I, what it does is it—it it softens, softens it. Up yeah, a I don't little want bit. that. But
1: the taste is delicious. All right. So good.
0: There was a website or a, a social media site that was actually really pissed me off this week. Really, really pissed me a off. A social media website. Social. Some. Some sort of group on twitter started this big thing and it was
1: pissing me off that a lot of people were participating okay.
0: in the whole seinfeld
1: versus friends oh thing. i know you're a big yeah yeah this okay. is a good topic go okay. ahead
0: no it's not that good of a topic it's well, a real open and <laughs> shut topic okay it was really annoying that like the world was particip. like this is some sort of a, a fair fight like like i would have been i would have been much happier if whoever put this out there the first like everybody ignored it and turned their back and and walked away like why are we gonna why are we gonna honor this with our our attention and our energy okay these two shows should never ever be mentioned in the same breath and that's not coming from an anti-friends guy I watched friends when it came out I I don't know that I watched it religiously I watched it I even enjoyed it I got a chuckle out of it my favorite all-time actress Oh. I can just stare and look, I can just look at Jennifer Aniston. Do anything all day. I'll just look at her and I'd be fine for that. I'd be happy without saying a word or eating the rest of my life. You're not just a look hater, at her, yeah. Not at all. Not okay. at all. Cute show, fun show, chuckled show. Would watch it if I was around on Thursday. Okay, it, Friends is like the ball player who in his you know made an all-star team here and there. Good ball player who made the all-star team was never one of the greatest, but was just like a a nice player. And Seinfeld is like a first-ballot Hall of Famer. Okay. Okay? There there is no comparison. Anybody who says, anybody who says that there's there's even a – forget who picks friends over Seinfeld. Anybody who even has the audacity to say that these two belong in some sort of a competition. This is like Muhammad Ali – fighting against a featherweight in his prime
1: it's that big of
0: yeah friends is a nice fun little show seinfeld is is an institute is historically one of the great probably the greatest sitcom that's ever been developed
1: ever have you gone back and watched it recently does it hold up yes Really? I could watch it every day of my life for the rest of my
0: life. Okay. Okay. And I'd even stop looking at Jennifer Aniston to watch. It. Seinfeld is a masterpiece. Seinfeld is a piece is an institution. Seinfeld is something that you would see at the Guggenheim. Okay? Wow. Friends is a fun cute show. That was nice in its era. Don't ever put these two together. Ever ever put these
1: two together. <laughs> All right? He's spoken. I got. I got that off my I chair. didn't have cable in the '90s, so I missed Seinfeld and right, I missed. You didn't Friends. know how to
0: swim either.
1: And I that, that I knew how to do. I missed X Files. I missed every. Go to 90s Lake Sammamish
0: show. and watch the cable.
1: <laughs> All right. Turns out John Ursua not from West Palm Thank Beach. Thank you very I much. I don't know. Was I drunk last night when I wrote that? You asked me to edit it out. Uh, please don't. I, I, people need to know my stupidity. <laughs> I, I don't know what I was, th- but there is a Seahawk from West Palm Beach, and I'm going to find it for you. Okay. Because I was excited to tell you. Okay. All right. Did you okay. see? I don't even know if I, if I want to repeat this or if you even want to talk about it. What Desmond Howard said, the very first college game day let's, of let's the Let's hold year. it for the P.
0: Let's hold it for 54P. We'll okay. start with, we'll, we'll put, put it on your list as, as one of the top things we talk about at 54P.
1: All right. All right. Now we got a name?
0: Randy White, Brian Erlacher, Zach Thomas, Goose Gossage, and, and Bobby Wagner. Now don't, you're not allowed to name it Bobby Wagner just because our audience loves Bobby Wagner. And we love it. If you want to name it Bobby Wagner because you think, look, he's better than them all, then name an op- episode Bobby. But don't sit here and say, oh, I feel pressure. We're sitting in Bellevue and we love the Seahawks. So we'll just yeah. don't do it for that reason. I'm going to give you the choice. All I'm going to say about Brian Urlacher is one thing. OK, I, I just I, you got to hear me out on this. Okay. Brian Urlacher was a nice player. You know where he was born? You asked me where John Ursula no, was born. Was- and it wasn't West Palm Beach. You know where Brian Urlacher was born? I don't. Pasco. Washington it's interesting he's a Washingtonian
1: where did you go to college
0: he went to a small school like eastern Michigan or he oh, okay. went to a smaller 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 school um, I'm just gonna say this Brian Erlacher I believe was a first ballot hall of famer he was a, a hall of famer in every onlookers mind there wasn't anybody who followed football that didn't watch Brian Erlacher play And say he was a Hall of Famer. I was one of them, yeah. Let me just tell you about my buddy, Zach Thomas, (laughs) who I don't know, okay? Let me just tell you about my boy, Zach Thomas, who, by the way, up till now, virtually no one views as a Hall of Famer. They view him as friends. They view Erlacher, Seinfeld, and they view him as friends. Let me, just hear me out on this. Uh, I'm, I'm ready. Brian Erlacher played in 182 games. Zach Thomas played in 184 games. So what I'm about to give you is about as as apples to apples yeah. as I can give you. Brian Urlacher, in his 13-year career, made eight Pro Bowls. Zach Thomas made seven Pro Bowls, okay? Even a better example of somebody's dominance, Brian Urlacher made, was first-team All-Pro. You know All-Pro. Yep. It's not both conferences. It's It's one team. He was a four-time All-Pro. Zach Thomas was a five-time All-Pro. Brian Urlacher in 182 games made 1,354 tackles. Zach Thomas in 184 games... Made 1,720 tackles, all right? He has way more tackles, he has more all-pros, and he has one less Pro Bowl, and one guy was Seinfeld, and the other guy is, is, like, is like, oh, he's a nice little story, maybe we'll put him on the Hall of Fame. Okay, if Brian Earl is an all-time great, fine. Zach Thomas should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm, I'm off my soapbox.
1: Was he on some bad teams? What's holding him back? What's, what's Well, Erlacher was... No, no, I mean, what's holding everybody back from Zach Thomas? I mean, you can look at the numbers... I don't
0: know. Little guy. I remember him being he great. A little, he was a little guy. You know, Erlacher was always a big monster who ran hard and ran fast. Zach Thomas was an overachiever. He was drafted
1: like late in the draft out of Texas Tech. He was yeah. always undersized. Yeah, he was just ferocious. He was like a bulldog. He, he was, was great. I yeah. remember he was great. I'm, I'm curious why he's not in the Hall of Fame, or at least did he Should get nominated?
0: Should be. Should be in the Hall of He's discussed, but he never gets close.
1: But Erlacher, you think, first team?
0: He's already on. He's, oh, he's in, in. He's in, he's in he's the in. Hall of Fame. He was there the first ballot. Jeez.
1: That's amazing. Okay. There's got to be My something boy we don't Zach, know about.
0: No, there's nothing we don't know. Okay.
1: Well, I'm glad you, brought, you made that case for him because I have to decide who we're going to name it after. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I Man. really want to stick it to you, you with can. Brian Urlacher, but I'm not. You can. You can name it. No. I, I Honestly.
0: Urlacher. Really look, I'm not even saying that Urlacher's not better than Zach Thomas. i saying I'm they're gonna, equal. Like saying if, they're close enough that yeah. one guy is not a first ballot Hall of Famer and the other guy's like a, a has-been. Okay, we're not going
1: there. He's not friends. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Go Be- before I tell you who I'm going to name it after, just know you heard of Travis Homer, the running back for the Seahawks, West, Palm Beach. West Palm Beach. Would you stop That's asking me? He's from West Palm Beach.
0: Would you stop asking me if I've heard of Seahawks? <laughs> Have you ever heard of Barack Obama? <laughs> Would you stop asking me? Uh, that makes sense. Travis Homer. He went to the University of Miami. Okay. Well, there where did he go. go to high
1: school? Uh, do, I don't know. Suncoast. They don't say.
0: It, it. You could find out. Where do you go to high school?
1: He attended Oxbridge Academy in West Palm Beach. I don't know; that's new since I've been around. Okay, there you go. So that too, obviously, I was—I think I was a little drunk last go night ahead. when I was home. All right, I have always loved Randy White from the Dallas Cowboys. Really? I've, I've, I, don't,
0: I don't I don't fancy you as being old enough to really remember Randy White.
1: Yeah, he, you do? And I remember I've, those
0: teams with Bob Lilly and Randy White and, and,
1: well, and Billy Joe Dupree and It was and like Roger Jim Schabach. Jeffcoat and Too Tall and, and uh, yeah. Danny White. Harvey
0: Martin coming off the edge. Tony you, Dorsett. You remember those I teams. I remember because it was okay. always the Cowboys and all the Redskins. Right. So were. you're going to avoid the Urlacher Thomas. You're not going to give it Wags. Episode Wags. If, Beacon plumbing, man. W-
1: Wagner might be better when it's all said and done. I think he's better than him. All. really I I, I I think he, it's easy to have a short memory go back and watch the man that was Randy, Randy White. White I remember Randy White. with I'm the just, mustache and I'm the hairy you, forearms it Bobby a real
0: Wagner when it's all said and done uh-huh. will be better than them all now he hasn't he hasn't played as long as those guys yeah. but five pro bowls and four all pros let's go back to Erlacher four all pros his 13-year career Wagner's already matched his all pros so he's on his way to being better than Erlacher and Thomas maybe not Thomas uh, better than Goose Gossage.
1: <laughs> but okay. But he, but he's still in the middle of his career. He's so. in the middle of his career. Yeah. That's part of it too. So when we go to a hundred and then back to fifty-four episode, yeah. maybe he'll be retired by then, <laughs> and then I can put him in. All he'll right, be
0: retired by then. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. <laughs> All right, that's so episode Randy. Episode Randy White is in the books. <phone rings>